all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Today's episode of This Week in Marvel is brought to you by Hasbro and Marvel Legends. More on that soon. Yeah. Yeah. This, how do I usually start the show? All right. Hello, <laughs> Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel. This is episode 316, which means... And then Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin would run in and Twim 316 means I just whooped your ass yeah. and I'm, beer everywhere. You can't tell, but I'm pouring beer all over my head. Flipping yeah. each other off. <laughs> and we'd like to welcome today's special guest, Stone Cold Steve. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's just oh, Maggie. That would be Maggie's great. That would Maggie's, be, here. Maggie's here with us, though. I bet we could get Stone Cold. At this point, yeah. I go to L.A. enough. <laughs> I could loves, probably be like, I'll yeah. roll up to, what is it, 316, 316 Gimmick Street. Yeah, we yeah. listen to his show. Yeah, I'm sure he listens to ours as well. Definitely. Definitely. Anyway, if you're just joining us, oh, I'm Ryan... This is a special episode. <laughs> I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel's Ben Morse, joined by... Uh, Marvel's Tucker Marcus. There we go. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, yes, episode 316 of This mm-hmm. Week of Marvel. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about all the new comics out this week, print, digital, uh, collections, single issues, all that stuff. We've got a fun uh, This Week of Marvel Unlimited Reading Club of yes. our holiday specials. Uh, this week we're talking about um, the Marvel Holiday Special 2005, mm-hmm. as well as Uncanny X-Men number 143. Nice. Uh, Good which, memory. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get to why. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have I have deep thoughts about this. One. Oh, that's awesome! I'm excited. Um, we have a special guest for our Twim URC section. Yes. Uh, artist of one of the stories in the holiday special, Riley Brown. Riley Brown. Uh, so we brought him on, and yeah, lots to get to. Of course, Hasbro is sponsoring this episode. We're going to talk about Marvel Legends. Uh, so shout out to yeah. Ryan Ting and the Hasbro team. They gave us so much material. Yes. Like. Because I was like, I really want to talk about all the, the legends that came out this year. And they were like, okay. And so it was just like <laughs> a flood of cool stuff. And yeah. I'm going to freak out and geek out with that a little bit later. Um, just got back from Anaheim mm-hmm. where I ran the uh, Infinity Gauntlet Challenge at Disneyland. which and Congratulations. Is, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was the Thor 10K, the Run Disney Thor 10K, and the Run Disney Avengers Superheroes Half Marathon. Uh, 19.3 miles in two days. Oof. That was fun. Uh, more importantly, uh, we wrote, we ran as a crew for yeah. Thwip, the big Marvel show, and it was the first 10K, first race that Lorraine or James or uh, Jason, Jason, who's our director, yeah. any of them had ever done. Wow. And they did it. And they did it. And they did it great. Just goes to show you, man, the power of positive thinking and teamwork and That's right. earth, wind, and fire. Yep. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. Uh, we saw a bunch of fans throughout. Um, it was it was really good. Yeah. Really, really fun. Uh, Runaways is going to be out bef- before the next episode, right? Before our next episode. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be five, coming out on Tuesday. Five days from when we're recording. Oh, we got to record early next week. All right, because it's, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. Right. I'm taking Wednesday Thanksgiving off. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we'll it's do a that. special time. 
It's an Adam Sandler song, guys. Oh. <laughs> Maggie is giving finger us the guns. guns. Giving us the finger She's guns. She's like, please don't Why? sing. I want to shoot sing. you. Punisher. Punisher. Oh, Punisher's out this week. Oh, my Netflix. God. Yes. Thank you, man. So many. The, not just out this week. Out by the time this, this podcast, podcast hits, hits, should hits, be out. Should yeah. be out. My goodness gracious. Yeah. So many things. Series going. finale of the mini project. Oh Yeah. I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Yeah, neither have I. Okay. My wife does, though. <laughs> That's fair. She says it wasn't as good as it used to be. Okay. So there you go. I started watching. No big loss. <laughs> I started. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there are many fans of this show. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I just started watching Ghosted. Oh, yeah. Because uh, nice. I love the, nice. the two leads. Those are, those are it's two fun. great leads. It's fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And Adam Scott. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Yes. I downloaded it to my system last night. I did not get a chance to play it because I had to put my daughter to bed. Once again, she's screwing up everything. <laughs> um, but I'm hopefully going to play it tonight. I'm very excited. I'm very nice. excited to play as uh, to play as Agent M. You can't play as me. So excited to play as Agent M. <laughs> I'm going to well, beat all the levels as Agent M. So I can customize you. Can- there you go. And then I could have you interacting with you, and it would be crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So, yeah, so I'm in the game. I recorded a bunch of voiceover, mm-hmm. a bunch of lines of dialogue that uh, the amazing team at Lego and Marvel Games put together for me to say. And uh, if I do say so myself, it was acceptable. Yeah. My performance. <laughs> Highly acceptable. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was really fun to be a part of that. And yeah. I'm very for- thankful. I want to uh, throw out quickly to Tucker's interview with uh, Justin from Lego. I want to talk about that for a second. We just yeah. posted that recently. Yeah, Justin Ramsden came into the office. Uh, Maggie and I were tasked with giving him the full Marvel HQ experience. We gave him the tour. Uh, then we came in here and sat down for an interview, and it was a lot of fun. It was, I mean, uh, great to hear about the process, not just of his his work on Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, but of his uh, his work on the toys themselves and how they are translated into the game and vice versa and all that kind of stuff. It was a uh, really great, uh, great talk. He's also, like, the sweetest dude. He's, yeah, he's I, the best. I adore him. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, I've been on a bunch of panels with him and talked with him over the last year as we've been getting ready for the game release. So, And it's, it's incredible. Um, the game's got so many characters. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. If you listeners play the game and you find me in the game, uh, tweet me a picture. Maybe I'll give you some free comics. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tag, tag This Week in Marvel. Can I do this? You get all the comics. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. I gave you the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So there's that. Uh, we have a release date for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, we do. Um, so that's coming in December. Mm-hmm. The new trailer's out. There was a, a, a video that was released today, mm-hmm. which uh, had first look at the creatures mm-hmm. that they're fighting against. It's really, really cool. Maggie, have you seen this yet? Maggie is <laughs> smiling and laughing, and we don't know why. Maggie, well, Maggie's a massive yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. She is the biggest Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan we have. Maggie, did you she know I'm set. going to the set soon? <laughs> she's. I think she's gonna cry. She's gonna cry. Yeah. Too much. She's literally in. Tears. I think. I, I. Yeah. I think I'm probably interviewing Clark and maybe doing something with all the showrunners. There you go. Yeah. For That'd this week cool. in Marvel. Um, all for this week. I believe in Marvel. for all, all for this week. All Marvel. for this week in Marvel. Maybe for Thwip. No. Uh, but we, <laughs> no, nothing for Thwip. But uh, Ooh. Clark is amazing, yeah. and Jed and Mo and Jeff. They're they're all great. Um, I really really dig when I get to, to see all them. So um, it's been a couple months since I've been on set, so I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Um, there were new Black Panther, uh, Marvel Studios Black Panther posters yes. that went out. Um, well, I don't even know. Since since we recorded last. So. Yeah, and speaking again of Runaways, which is coming out on Tuesday the 21st. On Hulu. On Hulu. Um, 
Christine released a bunch of interviews she did, a bunch of oh, junket interviews that she did. We've been posting one a day from various members of the cast and crew. The showrunners were first, and I think she spoke to like two or three cast members every day, and those will be rolling out right up and through the uh, premiere. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm doing something with the showrunners for Runaways for there this week in Marvel. You talking some Gossip Girl? Yeah, I'm going to need some questions. Little OC. I'm going to need some references. <laughs> this is this is the interview I was born to do. It really is. And you're going to be doing and it. I'm going to be doing it. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be fun. We need like a Cyrano de Bergerac thing where like Ben is in too, your ear. Too highbrow. Well. <laughs> is that the nose, The one with the nose? What? Just say the guy with the nose. Yeah, where he's kind of like. You know, Pinocchio. Ben, just just do the interview by a window. Ben will be in the bushes outside my the window. my hideous nose. Yeah. Just is kind that of what you're poke up and kind of, you know, whisper it. To you know, to Ryan, and it's and not a romantic interview. Yeah. Well, you know, still, it you want to make do you want to make them fall in love with you. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, um, th- we mentioned Thanksgiving's coming up, Thanksgiving. uh, so that's gonna be fun. Yeah, we'll try to make sure that episode gets up either right before or the day after Thanksgiving. We gotta Fingers hope. Fingers crossed. Okay, okay, um, let's see. We've got. Uh, uh, I've been playing um, Super Mario Odyssey. Yes, which is incredible. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two. I started playing yep. a little bit. Uh, started playing a little Assassin's Creed. I got myself you an got Xbox a lot, One. You got a lot to X. do, man. Yeah. Xbox One X. I got one. How is it? It's gorgeous. Oh, it's wow. like so dense mm. and it's small, but it's like nine pounds, and it's oh, really great. Uh, I have a 4K TV, mm. and then like just. It's it's beautiful. Awesome. Watching the the 4K content on there is is just out of this world. So that's really cool. Um, uh, what else? The holiday stuff is, is coming fast and furious. More yeah, of these trim URCs uh, after this week. But I think that's a lot to start off this episode. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. My notes. Got to no, get to it. No, these notes really <laughs> going to be the end of us all. Yep. Uh, all right. So. First up, though, we should start talking about the new comics out yeah. this week. Let's talk about comics out this week. Let's talk about a little Doctor Strange number 381. You guys want to talk about that? I sure yeah. do. Okay, Doctor Strange 381 is the first part of Loki, Sorcerer Supreme. What? Written by Donny Cates. Art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, the great Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Colored by the equally great Jordi Belair. Uh, this book is tremendous. It was super fun, super crazy. Flipped everything up on its head. We start out with a guy looking for Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. He finds Zelma, who uh, uses a ladder to get in because the Sanctum Sanctorum has been elevated slightly, so normal people can't walk in off the street. I like what Donnie's doing. Like even in his first couple pages, putting his touch of like yep. the guy has. He believes his eyes are possessed. They yes. keep arguing with each other. Very frustrating for him. Yeah. And we uh, go Wait, in. You didn't, you, did you mention the snakes? What did I say? Oh, no, the snakes are so great. So basically the snakes, who are a menace uh, in previous strange stories, have now been tamed by the new Sorcerer Supreme, <laughs> who we just get allusions to yeah. the first few pages. But then it full-on blows into this double-page spread of Loki battling some demons. Loki is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, he has got Strange's cape. He sewed it up. It was all messed up. He's talking about, there I was, faced a thousand faces with a horde of deadly Vampacabra warriors from Dimension Blood. Telling the story in the bar with no doors, talking to uh, Wanda Maximoff and some of the other magicians. Basically just bragging. And I love Donnie's take on Loki, where Loki's just this kind of guy who's like, look, guys, there are different ways to do this magic thing. You guys are always saying how there's a cost to everything. I'm Loki. 
I look for the shortcuts in everything. I'm going to find a way that we, he, as he says, I am not now nor have I ever been overly fond of the rules. Perfect line for Loki. Uh, Loki loses a little bit, gets in an argument with some of the people at there and reminds them that, uh, you know, you guys may not take me that seriously, but you should because I'm a freaking god. Yeah, it, it's kind I of I like intense. that moment. I like that moment. Yeah. Um, where he just blasts back some of the other magicians and says, like, why would you guys not take me seriously? I'm a god. Gets uh, assaulted by Thor. So Thor comes in. Buzzkill Thor. <laughs> Super buzzkill. Just says, Loki, what are you doing? You're obviously up to something. This is some sort of scheme. And Loki says, no, I just want to help. Doctor Strange is no longer fit to be the Sorcerer Supreme. Someone needs to do it. Might as well be me. Uh, gives Thor a hot tip on some frost giants, which appeases her enough to let Loki keep doing his thing. And while Loki is doing his thing, um, and by the way, he knows who Thor is. Yeah, that was Let's like not a, drive past a little, that. little thing right there. I was like, whoa. Knows who the real Thor is because uh, he knows he sees everything now. Uh, Wanda Maximoff goes and harasses Doctor Strange, who is at the best possible place. I'm not going to reveal <laughs> what Doctor Strange is doing. I think we should let readers know that for themselves. But it's pretty fun. Uh, just a great, fun issue, but also with that hint of menace on the edge with uh, Loki clearly having his temper and uh, Strange being in a weird situation. Everything just upended. Donny Cates has a really nice grasp of dialogue. He's got a really nice, nice grasp of, case, of pacing. The art by Gabriel Hernandez, Walta, and Jordi Belair is Perfect. just next so level. Uh, Walta is great at everything he does. Of course, just came off of Vision not too long ago. And Jordi, it's the best in the business. So just all these things combined to make a really great book. Yeah, uh, there's a, a note in there because part of, I think, what we don't know yet mm-hmm. is why, really why, is how and why is Loki the Sorcerer Yeah, we don't get it. There's a little bit of a mention of a tournament. So I am looking oh, forward. I'm hoping we have that. Yeah, to figure out, like, I want to see the I tournament. I love tournaments. Yeah. WrestleMania four. Uh, the best. Survivor Series 1998. <laughs> uh, WCW Mayhem 99. Who won that? Uh, It was a 64-person tournament that started on Nitro and ran all the way to Mayhem and ended with uh, Bret Hart winning the the vacant world title. Who had it before? Why was it vacated? Uh, Sting was the previous world champion. He was defeated by Goldberg in a non-title match. And uh, the powers that be ruled that they didn't want someone who lost a non-title match as the champion. So they vacated the title. Wow. Oh, controversy. Vince Russo, that, Vince Russo, WCW, guys. All that off the top of your head. Off the top of my <laughs> well dome. Well done. All right. Uh, also well done is Hawkeye number 12, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Michael Walsh, colors by Jordi Belair. Um, this is one of my favorite comics this year. Yeah, it was really good. I loved it. It's so fun, so funny. But the core of it is the interactions and the relationship that uh, is developing between Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, and uh, Wolverine, and does she? What did, does Gabby have a nickname? She's just Gabby. Yeah, I don't uh, think she has a code name. Uh, Laura and Gabby, the Wolverine sisters. Sure, uh, it's just it's wonderful. It opens up with Kate being like, "Do do 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 do, going to do some detectiving. Yeah, I'm going to go to this bar and see what I can see." And then Wolverine gets Is she wearing a romper. I don't know. I maybe? believe she is. What's Tucker, fashion expert. Fashion expert. That is a romper. Okay. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Great. And Wolverine gets thrown through a window. It's just Kelly writes some of my favorite dialogue in comics right now. It's so funny. It feels 
so real. Mm. Like this, these are words that come out of people's mouths. These are things that people think. Uh, we get a great shot of the Kate vision, uh, Hawkeye vision, whatever we call it. Uh, and, you know, she's pinpointing all the different things that she sees. Weapons, extra big guy, ridiculous goggles, delicious nachos. Uh, my favorites are regular-sized Wolverine, tiny Wolverine, question mark, literal Wolverine, question mark. I like literal Wolverine the best. It's my favorite, because, of course, Jonathan, Jonathan. is there. Uh, if you are not reading all, all new, new Wolverine... Wolverine you need to. If you are reading all new Wolverine and not reading Hawkeye, you need to read like basically you need to be reading both of these books because they're great. You don't need them story wise, but you need to read them because they are really great friggin' comic books. Uh, Michael Walsh, really awesome panel work here. You know we've got this great fight that Kate gets pulled into. Uh, the aftermath is so good. You got Jonathan looking all pleased. Mm, Kate huh. and Laura and Gabby and everything. There's oh Jonathan and Lucky. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> one of my favorite that. things, they, you know, after the fight, they're like, all right, let's go back to my place. Hawkeye says, when, you know, we'll relax and we'll, we'll discuss some stuff. Uh, and they're like, uh-oh, you have a Wolverine. Lucky's here. Maybe we should keep him and Jonathan separate until, nope, Jonathan walks right in mm-hmm. and starts nuzzling Lucky. And it's, there's only two panels of this, but I could live on this yep. forever. Yeah, forever. Uh, Jonathan and Lucky. Just being pals. It is my favorite thing. Uh, really great dialogue with Gabby because she's just a fantastic character. She's so funny. She's very, like, she's a great kid, but she's, like, more mature and smarter. Yep. But she's very funny. Kelly takes to writing Gabby very well. Gabby's mm-hmm. a relatively new character still. Uh, it would be very easy to not have a handle on her, but Kelly just nails it. You can tell... Kelly did her did the work. You can tell she reads all new Wolverine, and she got these characters. Yeah, uh, it's just so fun. Really smart way to introduce who Laura and Gabby are through the course of the story and the dialogue. It's a sim. You know, I think back to when we were kids, and they would be like, "Oh, look at you, Iron Man! What yeah. is your your you know your special ultra powerful suit and it's repulsor blast and it's flying capabilities and all your other things there's a lot of exposition yeah, yeah. this builds it all into the story mm-hmm. it gives you all the information you need in a perfectly laid out way uh, and it, it remains really really funny throughout they go investigating this guy who's doing some cloning stuff there's really great stuff about the clones mm. uh, they get captured there's this disgusting moment where yeah. like they're all hanging upside down they've been captured and Laura's like um, we can cut off our feet and fall to the ground but then we won't have feet for a while also for me it will really hurt yeah because Gabby doesn't feel pain no so Gabby could cut her feet off no problem yep um, she can't pop her claws right now uh, or the the manacles are adamantium let's yeah. say whatever the case may be uh, they need to get out of here and it just becomes cool, and they get to fight. There's this beautiful, beautiful two-page spread right. of all three of them beating the crap out of these clones. It's fantastic. Really, really good. Great moments. There's some fist bumping. There's great uh, one-liners and, and bits from Gabby. Gabby trying to drive a car. Uh, and it ends with a really great mm. uh, emotional reunion. There's actually the panel before the last page right. is one of my favorite panels in the book. And it's just a simple one. The look that Michael Walsh draws on Kate's face is so perfect. He's mm-hmm. so, I mean, he's so good at at the acting part mm-hmm. of drawing. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
facial expressions are so important and he has such a great mastery of them and really conveying the emotion that these characters have one way or another. So I'm really looking forward to it. Next issue, I believe we go into Legacy and mm-hmm. there's just fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. My first pick is Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 297. This is Most Wanted Part 1 written by uh, Chip Zdarsky, artist uh, Q- Adam Kubert. Oh uh, Yes, Ryan. Uh, yes. Sorry, just let you all know. I messed up there. I went out of order. It's okay. My next oh pick should have been my alphabetically the first pick. You know what? I'm there's, owning up to it. There's no more rules here at this week in Marvel. I feel like we can just do what we want. We okay. can just uh, improvise. Great. We're, We're embracing be- anarchy here. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, artist uh, Adam Kubert with Juan Fregari. Colors by Jason Keith. And uh, as if you've been reading uh, this series, the last issue was huge in the world of Peter Parker and uh, and both Spider-Man and how those two relate to each other, specifically mm-hmm. uh, as that uh, relates then to J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, but uh, this issue is pretty much 1,000 miles an hour all the way through. That was a really great emotional uh, uh, story, and then we jump straight into the action all the way here. Uh, we pick up with Pete looking for his maybe sister, uh, Teresa, and then boom, the uh, like the special ops team, the police force crashes in, and they are after Peter Parker and Spider Man. Uh, Pete manages to run away. There's a funny moment where he realizes that he kind of needs to hold back a little bit, otherwise it'll be a little obvious that this uh, nerd journalist is not quite that. Wow. Uh, That felt very harsh, didn't it? Big uh, man on campus over here. Yeah. uh, And uh, so he's essentially on the run for most of this issue. All the way through, uh, he's kind of stuck in this one apartment block and there's so much action that goes on along the way. At one point, he steals one of the SWAT team's uh, uniforms, and he kind of sneaks away. He doesn't have access to his Spidey suit, and that kind of proves to be a big obstacle as he goes. Uh, he knocks one of the policemen down the flight of stairs and uses a couple of, what would you call these things? Web cartridges. Web cartridges, because he doesn't have his slingers on him. Shooters. Uh, he, yeah. Uh <laughs> he is save. the web slinger. He yeah. uses his web shooters. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, he doesn't have shooters on him because well apparently he has well a said. backup suit in the basement. Uh, and so he needs to get to the basement. And he does it in this really awesome way where he just crashes through and punches through like three, four. That seems really irresponsible to me. And it's selfish. You know what? It's a jerk move. I agree. I was thinking, you know. No, you were just saying how cool it was. Well, it's really cool. You were saying, hey, guys, look at this cool thing that Spider-Man did. It wasn't cool, Tucker. It was really selfish and just jerky. What if somebody punched through your floor and ceiling? Oh, man. Well, someone did do that earlier this week. Oh, my God. It's funny you mention it. It was. Yeah. It's a really good point, Ben. They were doing some work on the ninth floor above us, uh-huh. and they nailed a pipe through the ceiling right above Tucker's head. Oh, my god! Yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting so, that this— So he actually knows exactly what this is yeah. like. I know. I essentially live in one of the apartments that uh, <laughs> Peter decides to punch through on his way to the basement. Yeah. Um, uh, now, Tucker, yes. you are a fashion boy, but you are also a bit of a cinephile. Sure. Have you seen Raid the Redemption? I absolutely have. You have? Yeah. Uh, Raid movies this are insane. Mo- this book, this issue, reminded me of the claustrophobia mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. like the, the sense of danger and fighting and yes. cool moments from Completely. the Raid, which 
I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really cool thing. I like just thinking about that. And if you haven't seen the movie, Ben, yeah. or many of our listeners. <laughs> I like that you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's a really great action movie. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And and like I was saying, just the pace of this issue, um, just like that movie, is a thousand miles an hour. He finally gets to the basement. He unlocks uh, his suit. He says, well, I guess this will do. And then he explodes through the building, out onto the streets in his awesome uh, black and red spider uh, spidey outfit um, and uh, you know that's my I guess that's my fashion boy uh, analysis is that it looks awesome uh, he gets cornered finally um, by Agent Mintz by Agent Mintz who that's is what I think Agent, Agent Mintz sounds like this <laughs> I think that's about right my name's yeah. Agent Mintz yeah. I would I, I think you're right yeah um, sounds good and he is of course of the Grey Blade and he's after both Spider-Man and Teresa he gets there and he has him cornered and it looks like he has no chance and then I thought this was awesome it was great it, oh, out of so nowhere good. In like a like a Terminator Two Terminator <laughs> style, come with me if you want to live. Yep, like yes. that's that's the moment right there. It was so good. It is a great visual reference to that exact thing. Jay Jonah comes up in like a nineteen mid nineteen eighties <laughs> like uh, Le Sabre and uh, uh, runs over Mince and gets uh, uh, Spidey, who then gets changed in the car. And as they're on their way uh, to escape. Uh, they run into a pretty dark scene where Aunt May, of all people, is being taken in by the police. And, of course, Pete won't be having any of that. None of it. And he turns himself in on yeah. the last panel, and we'll see what happens from there. Uh, what I what I find really cool is watching Jonah sort of the wheels turning, and he's seeing that, okay, I've been lied to, but I've been wrong. I know Peter Parker and I'm watching what he's doing for people and the sacrifices he's willing to make. Right. Like that, it's an interesting thing because you, and kudos to, to Adam and, and everybody on that book because you can see those emotions happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can also see he's not like fully sold. No. He's still very much like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, I need to help my friend because he's my friend and he's, you know, dear to me and he's basically family. But at the same time, I still cannot recalibrate to think that all things Spider-Man are good now. And at at one point there's a funny moment when they're in the car where Jonah says, we have to talk about the thousands of dollars that you swindled me out of (laughs) by giving me fake, you know, exclusive Spider-Man pictures. As a very ethical journalist, which J. Jonah Jameson is, (laughs) he is like, well, that's all fraud. That is all unethical what we were doing for years. And to his credit, Pete's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll handle it. We'll, <laughs> Wish I was I still a billionaire. I don't yeah. know what his plan is, yeah. but you know, he ain't got nothing. Oh boy! All right, Mighty Thor number seven hundred one, continuing the death of the Mighty Thor, and in this issue, Madness is the Man God. Man God. I want a Man God tattoo oh. on my chest. Written by Jason Aaron, <laughs> beautifully illustrated by guest artist James Heron, guest color artist Dave Stewart. Great stuff. Man God, just looking like the baddest ass on the history of ever going up against the war Thor who's no slouch himself it is all out action uh, it is narrated by an omniscient narrator who we don't learn the identity of until the end of the book basically describing how awesome Mangog is Mangog for those of you who don't know 
His origin, as related here, is basically that it was a whole race of like terrible people, probably like demonic entities or something like that, that Odin destroyed. He committed genocide on them. I don't even. There's there's some hint in there that it, it could have just been that they said something. Yeah. They could have done something. Could have it, like something made Odin wipe out an entire race of people. He wiped out an entire race of people, and somehow they survived as this monster. So it's basically a billion souls screaming as one, and the War Thor doing everything he can with his hammer, with his lightning, with his strength to try to kick on Mangog. Look at these great James Heron pages of just Mangog sneering as he punches Warthor right in the face. Uh, meanwhile, in Vanaheim, realm of the old gods, we've got Roxxon sending down uh, basically commando units to take over this territory because the War of the Realms is continuing. More stuff with Mangog and Warthor. It's just such a great fight and such a great how are they possibly going to stop this guy story. And they're just destroying old Asgard, which is where they're battling. I love this moment in Niflheim between Carnilla and Balder. Um, for those of you who read the Simonson run, you know that they used to be lovers. They went to the bone zone. Yeah, literally, because they're in Niflheim. <laughs> So it's like <laughs> where there are skeletons, hence the bones. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Just elaborating so on that one. We have the reunion between Carnilla and Balder. We have Balder explaining how uh, she's not safe. We've got the um, Cinder from Muspelheim. She sends her troops into Niflheim. They want to take over there. More just, just beautiful. What is this? Ten panels of just the slaughter of Warthor by Mangog. Poor Warthor. Really had like a couple issues to be built up as this big badass and then just destroyed in this issue well dismantled there's also something cool in here in that they talk about mangog's history yeah in that he's been around before we've seen him before he's come he's been defeated yeah but now never easily never easily but like i like that they didn't you know go past that because like you know, Mangog, I've always loved. I thought he looked cool, but he looks he's awesome. always gotten a great sort of defeated. This has done a really great job of elevating him without right. wiping away the past. So he does something crazy to oh Warthor. We get a little Malekith at the end. He directs Mangog on where he should go next. Uh, the fate of Volstag is very much up in the air, and Mangog is on his way to do more damage, possibly to the mighty Thor. Yeah, it, Malekith, man. The last... Since Malekith came back, yeah. it's been really, really incredible. It's crazy to think that Malekith essentially came back, I mean, let's be honest, because he was in the movie. Yeah. And so it was just like, you know, it made sense to bring him back as a tie-in. The mileage we have gotten out of this character way beyond his time on screen has been incredible. He's really become a central, perfect Thor villain. You know, it's funny there is... Oh, is it funny, Tucker? No, I, I had a All funny thought. All this death and destruction and I had a horror funny is funny to you? In, we have Vanaheim. We have Moosefulheim. We have... Moosefulheim. Like so this is a realm yeah. full of mooses. Moose? Mooses? Maggie? You're obviously <laughs> smarter than the three of us. Yeah, we Come know on. this. Come we on. We rely on you. No, mice or mice. Nice. And, anyway. Mice and mice and moose. We have all these places... And, Ryan, I guess you took a visit to the Mighty Thor universe because you were in Anaheim. Oh! Oh. Boo! That was a long road for that Long way to go. I appreciate it. Long way to go. You you. definitely... Good job. Brevity is not the soul of wit. Way to commit. (laughs) Way to commit. All right. Um, Time 
for Defenders number seven, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez, with colors by Justin Pontor and Paul Mounts. So first up, this yep. has three recap pages and a uh, a similar uh, next issue preview page. All part of, you know, the big package here. It's mm-hmm. got Dare, uh, Deadpool dressed as Jessica Dare, Jones. Daredevil pool? Dare do, do, Daredevil pool. Daredevil pool. Daredevil pool. It's Deadpool as Jessica Jones giving you the I recap. I didn't even notice he was dressed as Jessica Jones. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. He's got the purple scarf, the oh. leather jacket. Oh, this book just went up in my in my book. The, the bottle of hooch. hooch. And uh, it's really funny. Breaks all the walls. Fourth wall, fifth wall, sixth Everything. wall. It's really, really fun. Uh, very funny stuff. And then we dive right into the story. It opens with Elektra versus Iron Fist. They're just talking. Great and like, fight. You know, We've never seen it before, I don't think. No, and there's great mode. Like, the dialogue before they even fight is just like, you know, there's respect. Yep. There's like, do we have a fight? No, you know, it's, it's totally cool. It's fine, fine. Uh, he's like, I've got to talk to you, though. You broke into our place. And she's like, not to worry about it. See ya. And he's like, what the hell? And then the fight is on. It lasts five pages, 31 panels. You counted. I did because it was – and it it is not just 31 panels. It's – I'm not counting the the page where she throws the sigh at him that's Mm -hmm. like the setting it off. The first page is 16 panels. The second page is eight. The third page is four. The fourth page is two. The final page is – and it's like – I don't know. I haven't seen the script, so I don't know if it's Brian or it's David or it's the two of them together mm-hmm. making this kind of magic. But it is one of the greatest hand-to-hand, one-on-one fights I have ever seen in a comic book. Absolutely. It is br- It is extremely violent and, like, bone-crunching. You feel the hits that you're seeing on the page. You know, it's, there's parries, there's blocking, there's sweeps, Ooh, there's parries. kicks. parries. You know? Nice. Uh, I play a lot of video games. Every <laughs> once in a while, like, you have to parry this. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, well sure. Well, sure. Um, there's a lot of, you know, brutal moves. There's this one part where Electra drives Danny's face into a table, then tr- pulls out a knife to try to stab him with it. There's a part where she hits him with a, a widescreen, like a flat-screen television. Uh, there's- I feel like Danny's just trying to kind of keep afloat, and she's playing for sheep. Oh, yeah. She- that's just h- how she is. It's Electra. Um you know, brutal moves. She like nearly breaks his hand, and at one point, it's just like enough is enough. Yeah, he doesn't. You know, he's just doing martial arts, but he's got more tricks up his sleeve. It is beautifully colored. It is incredibly well drawn. This is again. I think every time we have an issue, David Marquez is on another level. He is doing things here that are just so amazing. His line work and it's very singularly his style. He's not aping anybody else he is doing something that is going down is really something significant so i kudos to david it's it's amazing here uh and it's also you know that fight is also silent it's you know there's Mm -hmm. just the the sound effects or talks for itself yeah uh there's no dialogue in here until afterwards where iron fist is like really you couldn't help daredevil's off screen is like no uh as amazing thing uh, where he's like, yeah, she's my college girlfriend. He goes, oh, just really, really funny stuff. We then go over to uh, Diamondback, who is, uh, he's like, he wants to buy the, he is buying this club. Uh, he's got a real estate agent with him, and it turns out that he can't really buy the club because it's uh, it's 
not up for sale. Mm-hmm. But he's going to take ownership, and there's a huge uh, bit of business that happens with Hammerhead. Jesus. Yeah, Look that is that, that, that panel. Boy, that's strong. Oh my god, this issue is just so incredible. We do see Elektra have an interaction with Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool stuff. Ninja stuff, you know. Oh. That was awesome. Lots of ninja stuff. I love that. Uh, definitely read, uh, what is the, the Electra book, the Sienkiewicz one? Oh, Electra Assassin. Electra Assassin, mm-hmm. um, which is I think is actually referenced by Deadpool in one of the, the recap pages. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's really, really funny. But uh, the Defenders are together, and they're like, all right, you just let this woman go. She busted into our place. Either you tell us who you are, or you're out of the club. And it's a really great moment. We don't actually see the unveiling, but we do see get a sense that he does tell them his identity. Right. Murder, you know, Daredevil is like, okay, fine. We're doing this. This is who we are. Um, but then we finally get some Deadpool and it's got Deadpool and Punisher and the Defenders in action. Uh, there's a there's some smooching, yep. uh, which makes me happy. Oh, yeah. There's, and, it was, <laughs> and it was pre... Uh, pre-promised smooching. Yeah. He said at the beginning of the issue he was going to do it and he did it. We... <laughs> We were promised smooching, and it was delivered. It delivered. Thank you, Deadpool. It was a fantastic issue. I friggin' loved it. Speaking of The Punisher, uh, my next pick is The Punisher, number 218. It is the start of Marvel Legacy for the series, and we have Punisher War Machine Part 1. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Gio Villanova, colors by Lee Lowridge, letters by Corey Petit. And uh, this is just... All Punisher goodness all the way. It is exactly what you want out of a Punisher issue. We start off with uh, an arms deal, a shady arms deal going down in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, There's stuff happening. Uh, Frank sneaks out from behind uh, some boxes and he uh, takes a dude's... Well, he takes a guy's head off, puts it in a box, and uh, in kind of perfect dramatic fashion puts it in another box and rolls it out for the other guys to find and also he stuffs a grenade in the guy's mouth and it explodes and kills all those guys pretty much that sets the tone in the first three pages for the rest of the issue uh he comes out uh guns blazing there's a firefight uh in uh the warehouse it's snowing outside there's some really great art here a couple of the bad guys try and get away they get some of the weapons onto a little uh boat and as they uh kind of motor away at the last second frank of course had it all planned all along he blows them up and then he goes back to his i love this this like van that he's essentially living out of his battle uh, van yeah. his battle van and when he opens the door he can tell um, before he goes inside, he can tell that somebody's been there. He uh, takes his gun out, opens the door, and sees old Junior inside. Nick Fury is there. I love the dynamic between Punisher and Nick Fury. This is I, I want to see more of yeah. Nick Fury in this book because Matt does a great job drawing those two together. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a great kind of there's a great repartee, like a great bit of like barbs here and there um, where. They each have, you know, take their chances uh, and, and, and kind of rib each other a little bit. Uh, uh, but Fury takes Punisher to his favorite, uh, I believe it's Dim Sum. It's a ramen place, right? Oh, yes. No, it's Dim Sum. It's Dim Sum? It's Dim Sum. Yeah. But he has rum. Uh, and... Maybe. Maybe he's egg drop soup. 
Egg That's drop right. soup. And it's really good. My bad, guys. Crucial, crucial detail in probably in this whole story arc is that the egg drop soup is really excellent. Um, expect <laughs> that to be called back later. Uh, but essentially they're talking and Fury tells Frank that... I like what Fury does with his eye patch, though. This is super cool. Yeah, it's he awesome. He moves his eye patch and uses it as a projector. Yeah, he's because like, he's got all the gadgets. Yep, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, there's so there's kind of a great help me Obi Wan Kenobi moment there as uh, uh, Frank or as uh, Fury becomes R two D two and always he, with the Star Wars this <laughs> yeah. guy uh, and uh, he essentially gives Frank uh, the lowdown on this new mission where he needs him to go to uh, Eastern Europe to take care of some business. There's a dictator who is uh, on the rampage and. It uh, requires some outside of government help. And um, Fury makes it. Fury sells it to him by basically saying, "Like dead kids, Frank. There are dead kids involved right. here." And Frank, you know, gets behind it. Yeah, there's some there's some great weight added there, and there's a there's kind of then we kind of jump to a essentially a montage. It's handled so beautifully as Fury is describing the situation to Frank. We're seeing Frank undertaking the very mission that that Nick Fury is describing, and the first part of this mission is that he needs to grab some uh, heavy-duty tech that was... I believe he said it, the, the idea is that it was the Marines had this this tech, but then when, like... No, no S.H.I.E.L.D. It was S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield tech. Had it, and Sorry. it was, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. assets were divided. Yes. And uh, Fury is an army man. Yes. Uh, Frank was a Marine. And unfortunately, this was given to the Air Force. Yeah, it's both. really, really funny stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I loved about this is we get to see Frank being physical uh, mm-hmm. without guns, without explosions. It's him taking down a bunch of dudes in hand-to-hand combat, stealth mode. Yeah. Uh, it's not something we see too much of. Like, sure, he'll get into, like, brawls, but this is a different side, and I thought it, right. it was really, really well done. Right. It's also really interesting to see Fury in a post-Shield world, yeah. mm. which we've seen in a few books since the end of Secret Empire. Uh, Shield's just not around anymore, and as a result, a lot more things are slipping through the cracks, and that allows things like what happens here to happen. Uh, yeah, so this kind of yeah, the, the kind of Ronin Nick Fury sends uh, Frank out, and, he, and like you said, he says no killing because at the end of the day, these guys are on our team. But we need our gear back, and he sends him into this high security U.S. military uh, Air Force base to get this one piece of gadgetry. And as you could have guessed from the title of the story arc, it is the War Machine armor, and he is off to Eastern Europe to take care of business, and he, as we see in the last panel, is loving it. Yeah, there's Fury's like, all right, and you're going to have to bring this back to me when you're done with it. The last line of the book is uh, Frank's response to that, and it is terrific. Let's do some quick hits, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number 791, written by Dan Slott, pencils by Stuart Imonin, inks by Wade Von Graubadger, colors by Rain Barreto. It's Peter Parker's first day of work back at the Daily Bugle, where he is now the science editor. We get to see him in action. Uh, We get to see him working with Mockingbird at a facility that she is investigating. Uh, Well, not investigating. She's basically the head of security at this new facility. And uh, she helps Spidey get in. There's something amiss. There's something going on with... uh, programmed artificial intelligence it's a little below board stuff going on there we get advances in the supporting cast stuff with Robbie Robertson stuff going on with Liz and Harry all sorts of great stuff as we gear up for Venom Incorporated in two weeks yeah there's a a, a sand character in here that's yep. not Sandman nope. I've never Quicks- heard of Quicksand Quicksand before. was a Thor villain 
Um, she is basically a female Sandman. Not much more to it. There was a great story in Web of Spider-Man in the 90s where uh, they combined sand, uh, Sandman and Quicksand and created a new character called Sandstorm, which was the combination of the two. Hmm. So there you go. Hmm. Sandstorm. Very good. Out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, all right. We've got Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, number 10, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney and Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, all right. I have questions, Ben. Yeah. Hit me. There's a Mysterio in here? Yes. With a daughter? Uh, not, I guess. That's not Beck. What is his name? I think it is Quentin, Quentin Beck. Beck. It really? looks like Quentin Beck. It has. He has the appearance of Quentin Beck. I thought... Okay, but yeah. someone calls him, like, Johnny, and then there's this other moment, and I couldn't find... No, 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 she's not saying Johnny in reference to Mysterio. She's saying Johnny in reference to Ricochet. Like, she knows that something just happened to Ricochet. Uh, so she's not calling him Johnny. So who is Dusk? Dusk is another one of the Slingers. That came after, or was always part of the original... It's part of the original team. Okay. There are four Slingers. Right, we went over this last Hornet, week. Hornet, Ricochet, Dusk, and Prodigy. Got it, got Dusk it. Dusk is one of them. Dusk has just such a different costume and vibe Very from much. the rest. Very much so. Um, okay. All right. So those – my other question was going to be about Dusk and okay. trying to get some information on that. But, uh, yeah, this this issue has uh, Scarlet Spider and these uh, these slingers facing a demonic entity, a, a thing called a Fragen. Yeah. Fragen. 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 It's just awful. Peter David does a really great job of – like talking about the horror of it mm-hmm. uh, and the way it sounds, and it's really, really neat. Uh, but cool fighting and a lot of bickering, great Peter David dialogue, fun art. Uh, and then it gets to this point of extreme violence. There's a scene where uh, Ben Riley beats the hell out of someone. Mm-hmm. It was really, really intense. Uh, really fun. Yeah. Next up is Champions number 14, and this is part of the Worlds Collide story arc. It's part four, uh, the crossover with the Avengers. It is written by Mark Wade, pencils by Humberto Ramos, inks by Victor Aldazaba, colors by Edgar Delgado, and uh, Viv has been turned into a human girl. She got the, <laughs> she got the Pinocchio treatment uh from the high evolutionary back and that that takes place on counter earth back on earth the champions are handling all the counter earth beings and trying to find a way to stop this collision course that earth and counter earth are on amadeus uses his not great muscles but his great brain to figure out a way to get to counter earth they bust through uh this kind of portal uh, and to get to High Evolutionary where uh, Vision and Viv are reunited and Vision kind of consoles his daughter and says it's going to be okay, we'll find a way out. They defeat the High Evolutionary, but the two planets are still heading for each other and that will be dealt with in the next issue. Hey guys, you know what time it is? What time is it? It's Vader time, 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 time. It's Vader time. I'm even doing the Vader. I know, you're doing the Vader thing. You were not... On the same wavelength? No, like no as us? definitely not. I, it was, you know, it was just some added spice. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's Vader time. It's Darth Vader number eight, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Giuseppe Camoncoli, inks by Danielle Orlandini, and colors by David Curiel. Uh, we've got Darth Vader doing what he does best, choking some guy out on the first page. Uh, he is after um, this librarian Jedi. What's her name again? Tuck. Uh, 
Joe Costa New. Thank you very much. I was going to let you get in there, Tuck. Joe Costa New is on the run from Darth Vader and his Inquisitorious. Uh, they are going after her. She is sneaking around. We get a lot of stuff with other characters here. We get Darth doing his own thing. I thought this, this, this page, was, page was awesome. This yeah. was pretty cool. This is uh, Darth Vader's version of meditating. The which astro, is, like yeah, his little own astral, astral plane. plane. It's badass. Uh, Darth leads the charge to go and try to take down uh, Jocasta. And he, in the, in the meantime, his, uh, his allies try to take her on as well. Um, she tries to sneak out of the place but gets really pissed off when they put <laughs> their hands on her books. Wow. As one would. as most librarians are are, yeah. uh, I do want to say Charles writes an excellent emperor. Palpatine. Yeah, mm-hmm. great emperor, really, really good. definitely for yes. sure. All right, we've got Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan, number two, written by Declan Shalvey, art by Mike Henderson and Lee Lowridge. Mike Henderson, man, good stuff. Really, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, he draws decapitations like nobody's yeah. business. The violence in this is maybe the premier decapitation artist of Ooh. our industry. Wow, congratulations! Uh, but it's really, really intense. Wolverine or Old Man Logan and Deadpool are trying to help this uh, this really, really powerful mutant. She doesn't want their help. She kind of needs their help because she's also being chased by some other no-goodniks. She has a really cool power where she can teleport things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like inorganic matter. So she's like, she teleports a dumpster. She teleports a motorcycle and, like, various things. Uh, but Declan writes a really good, angry Wolverine mm. here. It's really, really fun. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, it, it's... It's really neat. There's just great violence. I love the the interaction between Deadpool and Logan. Uh, there's a really funny moment where they're going to, you know, to chase after this helicopter. Uh, like, you know, it's a scene from a movie, and they're on the heli- they're on this motorbike, and Wolverine's going to jump off and reach the helicopter. And no, 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 they just, they so just get destroyed. Uh, it's it's really excellent. Next up is Guardians, right? Guardians of the Galaxy, number 147, continuing Infinity Quest. This one is written by Jerry Duggan. We've got beautiful art by Marcus Toe, color art by Ian Herring. Uh, the Guardians have become Nova Corps members, and as such, they are into a lot of things, trying to investigate the corruption in the Nova Corps. We've got Ant-Man and Gamora trying to save some fugitives. Um, we've got Rocket just being awesome. Rocket just interrogating everyone, writing things down on his little notepad like he was Ryan Panagos, just trying to figure stuff out. He gets but, it. <laughs> uh, he meets up with Atsit. But of course, the highlight of the issue, the reunion between the Butch and Sundance of the Marvel Universe, Nova, Star-Lord, back on the same page, they do the bro handshake, do everything that I was hoping they would do. They fly off together. They get into an adventure. They run up against some bad guys. They're teamed up together. Uh, beautiful splash page of Rich getting destroyed by this uh, female Nova who is also pregnant. Wait, so a couple things. Yes, please. What is a red Nova in relation to the blue Nova? I don't know that there's any official ranking of the red Novas. I do know that Rich, when he was Kid Nova back in the New Warriors days, had a red costume. So I'm assuming red denotes a lower rank, but I cannot be sure because I don't think they've ever had red Novas before. Because this Nova, Mm -hmm. she definitely is in charge. Yeah, she's in charge. And do you know who this is? No. Eve uh, Bakian is the uh, Nova from Jerry Duggan and Dustin Weaver's Yes, that's what I thought. Actually, I did think that. I did think that. Yeah. I 
lost it. Yeah. I was reading this. I was like, wait a minute. No, I, I, name. I actually, I, I had the same reaction where I was like, this sounds familiar. And I, I thought it was her, but I wasn't sure. It was the coolest C- poll. Cool on you for looking that up. Ever. I got so excited. If you have not read that Secret Wars story, yep. you Great totally story. should. Great it is story. fantastic. But Eve brings Star-Lord and Nova to what her team has been guarding. And uh, it's a big old... Infinity Stone. Yeah. Also, I posted this on Twitter, but the first words in the book are "Death by Heavy Metal Ultron Zombies." Yeah. <laughs> if you are not reading it, you are a fool. Read it. So yeah. good. Good book. Uh, all right, we've got Incredible Hulk number seven hundred and ten. <laughs> so it's just like how how did they do it? They did so many comic books, uh, but it's it's a full big old epic world breaker storyline. Uh, you've got written by Greg Pak or Pak, uh, pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Frank Darmada, and uh, yeah, it is Hulk just letting loose in this it, back on Sakar. It's got a like uh, a Mad Max mm-hmm. times yeah. Conan, you know, like times uh the original planet hulk it's the vibe is really cool it's super big and epic and violent and 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 furious Mm -hmm. uh it's really really fun uh it's cool to see amadeus wrestling with the two sides of his personality trying to be who he is but also needing to let the hulk out in this environment because otherwise he might die uh there's you know, magic and intrigue and, and neat tech and, and cool things. And uh, I think this is a really great book for Greg because he gets to draw big characters and big moments and uh, cool weapons and those types of things and the creatures. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, this is some of my favorite Greg Land art in a yeah, while. Yeah, 100%. He really kills it on this. Uh, I did want to know how the inhabitants of Sakaar knew the word schmuck. Huh. The, uh, it's a Yiddish word, I believe. Right. And so, you know, Sakaar I guess... Sakaar has a strong Yiddish population. That, you know what? Yeah. I get it. You that makes know. sense. I uh, can't wait for the Hanukkah Sakaar issue. Uh, but before then, we have Black Marvel's Black Panther Prelude Part 2, uh, written by Will Corona Pilgrim, art by Anna Perola Martello. Uh, and if you'll recall, Black Panther... Panther is on his way to Paraguay where he's uh, saving some Wakandans from two mercenaries, one named Douglas Scott and one named Zonda. Uh, and uh, estamos en Asuncion cuando el negro gato uh, uh, está luchando con Zonda. The, the black cat. The black cat this? was what you said. You just there. don't know the word for Panther. No, yeah. yeah. All right. So I've been taught out. Gato was it. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'll stop there either way. Uh, Zonda is uh, fighting with Black Panther. He uh, gets away from her. Then she catches up with him. Okoye is also there. Uh, And they get the Wakandans from uh, the mercenaries. They fly away. Uh, uh, There's more awesome action uh, and great kind of black classic Black Panther style. There's more mercenary showdown. And then we end uh, with uh, some great kingly conversation with... uh, uh, T'Challa and his father. T'Chaka. T'Chaka as we move forward into Black Panther the movie. Yeah, I just think it's cool that we have the, the in-canon stuff. And Very the cool stuff. It's awesome. Not Brand Ech is back. Number. 
No, no, no. It's back in black? Yeah. All right. No, 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 Not Brand X. Back. It's issue number 14, written by a whole host of people, art by just as many people. Uh, let's just quickly run down the stories we have here. We have Nick Spencer doing kind of a cool send-up of Secret Empire, really making fun of himself. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. It, Taking himself to task. Yeah. Uh, the artist on that is Scott Cobblish. Scott Cobblish doing oh. a great job. Uh, that's beautiful stuff. And we get a series of one pages throughout the issue with Forbushman trying to work his way back into the Marvel Universe. Uh, his first plan is to introduce Forbush Girl and Forbush Dinosaur, which is just Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur in some old pot handles. So, Forbushman, yep. if you are not well-versed in the other 13 issues of Not Brandeck Fair enough. or the What the series from the <laughs> 90s where he yep. also appeared or the trickling, trickling of other issues we've had, he is like he was a parody character that actually Stanley and Jack Kirby created back in the '60s. First, it was mentioned and appeared in the '50s. Yeah, in the, way back when. Yeah, in, in like an early parody comic that yeah. uh, probably at that point, what was it? Timely or Atlas? Atlas. Atlas at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, published called Snafu. Uh, it's, Man. Yeah, it's you did your research because I, you know, I. I, I've always loved because like, I care about Forbush, man. I actually really do. Yeah, I love Forbush. Enough. Irving Forbush. Irving Forbush uh, had really in, fun appearance in Next Wave mm-hmm. uh, back in the early two thousands. He's he's weird and cool. Is a dude in his pajamas with a freaking pot on his head. Yep, there you go. We get more great stuff here. We get uh, Spider Man writing his own fan fiction uh, as. Written and drawn by Katie Cook. Very adorable stuff. Spidey basically crossing over into a bunch of different genres. More stuff from Forbush Man. Uh, looking for a gritty rebirth of Spider-Ham. And uh, the less said the better. We get some Gwenpool stuff by Chris Racing and Gurihiru. Uh, where basically uh, the, the fat cat editors at Marvel Comics try to turn... Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwenpool into even more of a mashup character with all sorts of different stuff. It's a very um, accurate representation of Marvel Comics. Absolutely, absolutely. The These, top hats. Yeah, the yep. top hats, the troves of money, all about that. Then we've got Deadpool in a Nick Cochet, Brian Chirilla, Chris O'Halloran joint, kind of showing how they did, diff- showing how they do different stunts in comics. It's very inspired. Uh, and then we get from the, uh, oh, we get more from Forbush Man with Forbush Woman versus the Puppet Master, and that's pretty much the last straw for these guys. And then we get the uh, unbeatable Squirrel Girl team of Ryan North and Erica Henderson doing a bit where Squirrel Girl basically uh, tries to get a bunch of supervillains to sign up for a dating app that she creates. You are skating past the I'm going as fast as I can. That <laughs> we have Fin Fang Foom yep. smooching with Ratatasker. Oh my god, yeah, it's some intense, smooch, intense smooching. Too. It is. The smooch sound effects are wow, so good. Go figure. Really, and then really one good. more, uh, one more for Bushman for the road, and then Chip Zdarsky doing the old next issue gag, yep. which he loves doing so much. Yep. Fun stuff. We got jokes. All right, uh, we've got up next Secret uh, Warriors number eight, written by Matt Rosenberg, art by Javier Garon with Real Robson, colors by Israel Silva, uh, and it's we've got sinister. Doing his sinister stuff mm. with Dark Beast and the uh, the Secret Warriors have come together to try to. I would to call fight. this semi sexy sinister. Yeah, semi sexy. Not fully mm. sexy, but definitely on the road. Yeah, I'll take that. To sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks good. He looks great. In that that looks vest. Great. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, Sharp looking fellas. Wearing them gloves. Sharp dressed man. Fashion boy. Approves. Oh, it's good. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, the, the Secret Warriors sort of come together in an impromptu way to try to help uh, find Inferno's nephew. And there's this really adorable shot of uh, talking about the, the forums, mm. these superhero forums <laughs> where various superheroes congregate and talk. Uh, but it has a really cute little uh, bit of art in here and talking about the different characters. We've got lots of shirts. Shirtless, loincloth, Karnak, which is always yep. very good. Nice treat. Yeah, magic is treat up for in the ladies and the fellows. Yeah, magic is in here. There's big fighting. There's cool stuff and creepiness by the end. Creepy. Next up is Spider-Man Two, the uh, issue number four, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Sarah Pacelli, colors by Justin Ponsor. Uh, we kick off with uh, the Kingpin and Nasty Miles Morales talking uh, as. Uh, uh, the, are you talking about the the funeral scene? Yes, that funeral scene. I that was that's one of my favorite scenes this week. There's mm. a, yeah, so it's Miles. His wife died. Mm-hmm. Couldn't save her. He is distraught. He sees Kingpin for the Wilson Fisk, who over the course of the series, we've seen that they've had this relationship. It goes back so many years. They were mm-hmm. really tight. They separated a bit. They have this conversation, and Wilson talks about what he's learned over the years and him losing his wife, the mm. love of his life. There's such a, like, I got, you know, because I think about mortality and my wife and my family all the time because we live in a crazy world. And the, he starts talking about these multiple universes and, and, and all these different things. And it's, oh, man, that was such a scene. Uh, yeah, really, really great stuff. And then we go see... It is great. And we go see regular Miles, not evil Miles, and he is doing some classic Miles high school stuff. He runs into Spidey on a rooftop where they decide to pursue the uh, bad Miles at this airport. There's crazy explosions. They're in hot pursuit. Uh, Bad Miles gets on a private jet as uh, uh, Pete and and Miles are tied up, and uh, he then gets away with... Uh, some ominous-looking bad guys at his side, and it will be concluded in issue number five. Next up, going straight through, is Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 14, uh, written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier, art by Emilio Laiso, colors by Rachel Rosenberg. And we start out with, on uh, Somalik, on the Outer Rim, with Captain Tolvan. Uh, and she's a fascinating, fascinating character as kind of their... She has a, a unique history with Afra, who then shows up and uh, essentially takes her hostage. Uh, they have some great dialogue. Afra in that kind of classic Afra, you know, uh, good, bad, mix kind of way, has a lot of conflicted feelings. She eventually lets Tolvan go and flies away. Uh, then kind of uh, we get uh, towards the end of the story she is pretty distraught at her actions and where she goes from here and then an old friend shows up once again and there's some really I I am quizzical about the relationship that we're that is at play here and what's to come in the future it's really interesting afro fans will be super excited yeah i want to see afro flirt with more more ladies yeah that was that's great my favorite watch yeah 
All right, finally for me, Weapon X number 11, written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente. Art by Mark Borstel and Ibrahim Robertson. Colors by Frank Diarmada. This concludes the whole Weapon H saga. We've got Weapon H taking on the Weapon X team. It's pretty brutal. Some nasty stuff happens, as you would assume would happen when you have a Hulk with the powers of a Wolverine. Uh, the guys managed to find the woman who's pulling the strings on Weapon H and potentially give him another shot at being something different. Uh, Sabretooth does not get to do what he wants to do, but we do get a little more behind Weapon H, and we'll see where he heads from here. Uh, we get a cameo by the X-Club, which is very cool. Yes. And then we uh, find out what happens to Stryker in the end. Yes. All right. Uh, we've got X-Men Blue. Blue. Number 15, written by Colin Bunn, art by Jorge Molina, and colors by Matt Mila. This is the end of Mojo Worldwide. It was a really great really crossover. Really fun, really fun crossover. Really enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, you've got beautiful spread, Jorge Molina. Man, so Man. good. Big old action scene, fighting and punching and clawing and stabbing and punching and all this other good stuff. Uh, there's this really beautiful panel that is uh, uh, works really well because of the mix between the colors and the art. Uh, the lights go out somewhere and we get to see this like silhouette of, of characters. I don't remember where... Yeah, here. And it's just... Yeah, it's it cool. looks so cool. There's just something special about that. Uh, but they beat Mojo, as you knew they would. Some interesting stuff between all the X-teams. Uh, Magneto and then the kids and the adults. And uh, fortunately... They may have defeated Mojo, but that does not mean mm. he's gone oh, for no, good. Uh, but, guys, we got one more book. Yep. We've got uh, Thor versus Hulk, Champions of the Universe, yes, number six. It's got the origin of the promoter, uh-huh. which is terrific. Um, finding out who she is, where she came from, and what are her motivations for all this. Uh, we get all her plan. See her. She's been gathering all these cool weapons. We've got uh, just awesome art by Alti uh, Fermentia. It's written by Jeremy Whitley. Uh, the, the, on the cover, you've got the uh, Hulk and Thor uh, sort of wearing sunglasses and walking away from an explosion. Nice. Which you think, oh, that's a great cover. That's awesome. It happens, it happens in the, in the book. issue. Yay. It happens in the issue. It's really, really great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a big old brawl with Trico Slatterus. Uh, it's it's great. This has been one of my favorite series. I know it's, you know, digital only, so some of you may not have read it. I really, really think you should. Yep. Yes. Also on sale this week, collections. We've got Avengers Unleashed Volume 2, Secret Empire. Cable, The Hellfire Hunt. Luke Cage, Volume 1, Sins of the Father. Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, Rise of the Sith, Volume 2. Star Wars Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma. Star Wars Poe Dameron Volume 3 Legend Lost. Guys, is there a Star Wars movie coming it out? It seems like we're building to something Star Wars-y. Oh, boy. I bought my tickets. Oh, me too. I didn't. <laughs> Venom Carnage Unleashed. And X-Men Gold Volume 2 Evil Empires. Uh, also on sale on the Marvel app is Cable, number 48 to 58. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, number 14 to 19. Venom, Sinner Takes All, number 1 to 5. Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, number 24 through 32. And then also digital collections on sale are Infernal Man-Thing, Marvel Tales by Alan Davis, Northanger Abbey, Sergeant Fury. Wait, what just happened? Okay. Yeah, Northanger Abbey. You remember them. (laughs) Uh, Sergeant Fury, Masterworks, Volume 3, Spider-Man, The Next Chapter, Volume 
three. All right, freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited this week, we have all new Wolverine number 20, Amazing Spider-Man 27, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number seven, America number three, Avengers number seven, Black Panther and the Crew number two, Deadpool number 30, Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy number two, Kingpin number four, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number 19, Ms. Marvel number 18, Old Man Logan number 23, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man issues from the 70s, the original one, issues one through 15, 25 through 26, 29 through 30, uh, Rocket number one, Secret Warriors number one, Silver Surfer number 11, Star Wars The Screaming Citadel number one, The Unbelievable Gwenpool number 15, Uncanny Avengers number 23, Weapon X number three, X-Men Blue number three, and Zombies Assemble number one. Yeah. It's a lot. Sure is. Yep. Uh, all right. Should we go to the West Coast now? Let's go to the West Coast. And then we'll come back for some Twin URC. Yep. More stuff on the other end. week in Marvel. This is Editor Christine Din, joined by... Editor Eric Goldman. And we got with us... Tim Hernandez, Director of Game Production for Marvel Games. So you've had an exciting two weeks. Uh, a lot of cool things happening, namely Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Yes, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, I gotta <laughs> say. It was quiet for a while, and then just everything hit in, yeah. the, in the last couple of, uh, well, the last couple of months, but especially the last two weeks. So, yeah, Lego Marvel Superheroes 2 finally launched today, November 14th. So, very excited about that. It's, we've been working on it for... Oh. Well, years. Yeah, years, <laughs> years to some extent. So um, just seeing uh, it out in the wild, people playing it, getting yeah. uh, feedback from players. Finally, it's just a really exciting day for the team. I just feel like, uh, yeah, is it, is it just like that thing of uh, because you work so long in these games, you put it out there, you just have to step back and be like, okay, it's out. We did it. <laughs> we yes. Did it. So, yeah, today was kind of a long pause and, br- and just yeah. ca- recatching uh, my breath a little bit because – even last last week and over the weekend and, and yesterday, just leading up to it, I was like, oh, you know, what are, what are the reviews going to look like? You know, how are players going to react to it? Uh, but we were very confident because we knew it's a great game. Yeah. So we were um, still a little bit nervous, but we were pretty confident. And now, you know, seeing the, the response has been great. It, it just makes it a lot more uh, more peaceful around <laughs> the I love that. You know, like we've been um, rolling out characters along the way for the past couple months. So now that it's finally out in the world, can you share what your favorite character is from the game? Well, I have been revealing it a little bit throughout. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's funny. Green Skin Smash Troll, just because <laughs> yeah. it's such a funny story. Um, because when TT Games came to us and, and with the concept mm-hmm. and with their character lists, we kept working with them just to go deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. Yeah. Um, and all the characters from that that run, uh, Covenant, Avatars yeah. of the Shield, were just very obscure. So <laughs> yeah. even finding the, the links the and the art, reference for those yeah. 
And then when I, when we were able to dig deeper and we saw the variants that they came up with for Hulk and mm-hmm. for Black Widow and for and for Cap, it was it was pretty awesome. And <laughs> when I responded back saying, "How about Greenskin Smash Troll?" <laughs> like, what? Who is that? And then he's like Hulk with a beard and, yes. and floppy hair. So he's great. Um, I love playing personally with with Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. Kamala Khan. Yes. She's She's pretty OP in the game. I mean, she has a lot of abilities. Mm-hmm. She can solve almost every puzzle, uh, and some puzzles are unique to her uh, oh, in terms awesome. of using okay. her, her her growing and shrinking mm-hmm. ability. So she's really strong. Um, there are a couple of cool characters in the DLC packs, which haven't been revealed yet, mm-hmm. but those are really fun too because I think uh, uh, TT's upping the bar with those because you know having the main roster with 200 characters right. uh, i think they they took it upon themselves to challenge them and make the, the the new downloadable content characters even extra special so when players get those new packs um a month from now three months from now like oh it's worthwhile because these right. characters are really awesome they look great they're fantastic and uh they're just fun to play with too so yeah, I was at the uh, panel for the game at New York Comic Con, and like I like to think I know a lot of Marvel characters, but I mean there are some amazing deep dive characters. Was it Arizona Annie? Arizona that. Annie, God. Yeah. Kid Colt from the from the old West level. Yeah, yes. yeah those were uh, recommendations from Bill Roseman, our executive creative director. <laughs> Because uh, we knew we wanted it in Old West. I love right. Westerns, and we loved 1872, that, that series, and just yeah. t- connecting to that. So we're like, okay, let's get the obvious things. Um, so Old West Tony Stark is another one of my favorites, yeah. just the way that he transforms into Iron Man. It's really cool. Uh, um, Sheriff if, freaking Modoc. Yeah, <laughs> Sheriff Modoc. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then, so yeah, we had the character list, and we, we went deep and trying mm-hmm. trying to find just obscure uh corners of the Marvel Universe that haven't been tapped. But then what TT Games did with them, like like you said, Eric, the the Modoc Sheriff level, yeah. when they came back with the, the, the level design for that, and we're like, oh, sure, that's so ridiculous, why not? And then uh, uh, his fascination or fear of chickens, which if, if you play through yeah. this level, you will, you will see. It's just so much uh, charm and heart went into it. So Yeah, it, and know. I just love all the different personalities do radiate from the characters and especially, and they all complement each other just because, you know, like, Chronopolis is such a fascinating concept to bring all these locations and all these characters, you know. And, you know, I think King is the perfect villain to unite them all. Yeah, and just the mix, just the unique situations you can get them in. Mm-hmm. You know, the, obviously the, the each of the levels in Chronopolis are, are really distinct and they spend a lot of time making them feel special. But the the mix of just random characters yeah. from 2099 in yeah. in ancient Egypt or <laughs> uh, noir characters showing up in Avalon. It's like, what? So <laughs> random, but they work. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, you try and use unique abilities and powers in, in ways you never, you never expected. Mm-hmm. So. I just feel like that must be the great thing. I mean, look, I mean, Marvel has history going back decades and decades and decades and the fact that this game can just like you you could grab from so many different aspects eras sensibilities because some of these comics you know had very different tones than the others so that great just to be able to just blend everything just mm-hmm. to have almost no limit yeah no limit that was really it and uh and so there's there was that process of just 
t- picking old characters and you know everyone on the team we, we'd say hey what do you guys think about this yeah. character uh, Isabel Sue who, who <laughs> you know works on Bill's team was coming up with random suggestions um, and we would just take polls like who would you like to see in a Lego game uh, but we also challenged TT a little bit to come up with an original character too because they were um, they knew that they wanted to do a 2099 level and they wanted Carnage and Venom to be a part of it um, and they came up with the idea of doing Carnum, which is a combination yeah. of the two. And they were like, uh, what do you think about that? They were kind of nervous yeah. about proposing it. And we were all in favor of it because it's something we've been doing um, with some of our other games mm-hmm. on the on the mobile side of things. And it's just it's been a really successful program with our, our other titles and with our fans. So we, we told them, oh, make them awesome. And, yeah. They, yeah. and they did a really good job. So, yes, all corners of the Marvel Universe, <laughs> including new corners that we didn't even know yet. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know that, you know, it's available in different, like, formats for everyone mm-hmm. who, you know, like, whatever your preference is. But there's also collector's editions, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's available on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. It's actually the first Marvel game on Switch. So a lot oh. of people are excited to, yes. to uh, experience it uh, on that platform. Uh, and the deluxe edition, yeah, you get access to all of the season pass content, mm-hmm. which we have um almost uh, 10 months planned out for now. So we've got (laughs) a lot of new characters, new level packs coming, um, a lot of them based on uh, the the film and and TV uh, properties that Marvel has launching in in 2018. So those will be great. And as I mentioned earlier in, uh, in, in the podcast, the character designs and abilities for those are, are awesome. Wow, and so, so it's just going to continue to expand on, on the Chronopolis world that we set up. So uh, I, of course, encourage everybody to get the deluxe edition, but uh, we just want everybody to play the game. Yeah, I mean, regardless this is of the a format. perfect holiday yes, it gift is. for everyone you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like we play together exactly. Christmas morning. Yep. Yeah. And there's yeah. no yeah. age limit. That's oh, that, actually, that's another point. God, it's like you guys are just throwing me softballs. <laughs> it has a four-player battle arena, which we mm-hmm. haven't done in, in a LEGO Marvel game as well. So that that is a new mode. There's, a, there's actually two modes. So there's an Infinity Gauntlet and yes. there's a Color yeah. Clash mode. Uh, and yeah, you can play with four, uh, with three other people, you know, family members, friends, competitive. But in, in a Lego game, everybody comes out a winner. So, uh, <laughs> well, so no, that's like a great mode. The kids totally beat me on this because I am a horrible Lego player. I was just all like, I, I wish I was a master builder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because kids are just amazing at it. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy playing, but um, yeah, I watch people who are much more skilled than me. <laughs> Many of them are smaller than me. <laughs> well, make sure to pick Ms. Marvel if you really want to win. Oh, yeah, that's a good pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Any other pro tips for the ones who struggle at Lego? <laughs> Break everything. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you're, if, you're, if you're stuck on a level... That's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Just smash every possible wall, brick, object. <laughs> Chances are you'll find a clue to beat that level. Mm. That is that good is, to that know. Is excellent. <laughs> yes. And then, um, have you found like a level that you really just love tackling? Yes. Uh, well, I love. It changes every couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think initially the noir level I love. Yeah. The visuals of that are Yeah, so cool. the visuals. And that's when we were showing and demoing the game to people, e- even around the office. Yeah. That's always the first level I go to. I, I go in from from just normal Manhattan and yeah. then check this out, check this out. And fly <laughs> into noir New York and everybody's like, ooh, yeah, now it's black and white, monochromatic. <laughs> uh, but then as I was playing through the old West level, mm-hmm. just because it, it's for me, okay. I, I love the, the you yeah. know, Westerns. 
But another level that that I think is really cool that the more I played it, the more I fell in love with is ancient Egypt level because mm. oh. they're actually also doing a technique there, going back to an you know an old black and white adventure mm-hmm. film. So if you're as you're playing through it, the lighting changes, uh, so it looks awesome. But it also is uh, I don't want to spoil too much of it. But it splits the team apart, so there are multiple paths, and mm-hmm. you kind of have to work with one team to solve a puzzle that unblocks the other half of the team. So the design of that one is really fun and really awesome. So visually, uh, it's great, and also it's just fun to play, and it has a lot of cool little Easter eggs in that level. That's mm. awesome. So yes, everyone, check it out. Yeah, it's out now. And um, but that's not the only game that's been on your plate. Mm-hmm. Last week we released the final chapter of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series. Yes, yeah. Episode five is out, so everyone can now complete the the whole season. Um, the one thing I want to say about that is you can pl- you should play it again because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. um, progress through it, making their choices in right. each of the individual episodes. You know, not knowing, oh, how is this going to affect yeah, me at the at the end out. of the right. series? And I think as you play through it the first time, you realize, whoa, what I chose to do in episode one and three mm-hmm. and four actually really does change the outcome of the game. So I'm getting um, people coming up to me saying, whoa, I beat it this way, but yeah. can you really do that other path? And that really will that really change what choices? Or yeah. you, you end up with at the end. I'm like, yeah, of course. That's the whole point yeah, of like, the, the Telltale um, just design is that it, it does affect the outcome. And in this game in particular, it really does uh, branch out in different ways. And and with the conceit of the uh, Eternity Forge mm-hmm. and, and just the idea of resurrection and um, you know empowering the the relic to bring people back to life. If you think about it, the path the the, the path that you chose and the and the choices you make can really play out well in the, in the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. All right, and especially because, you know, like, this is a, a group of members who all experience lost and they're, and definitely people that they care about and their families. So it's just, um, it's been really awesome just to see, like, the emotional arcs from each of the episodes. Yeah, and that's, re- that's something we set out to do from the beginning. I mean, we knew just, it, it worked out great structure wise mm-hmm. because there's five guardians there's five episodes so we wanted to tailor each one uh, of the episodes to one of the members of the team but you know as we dug deeper and just and started peeling away the the uh, layers of the onion for each of the characters we're like wow we can really go deep and, and go into their backstory um, but but really give them some emotional depth that uh, you know we see someone someone on the comic side on on the in the films right. you know we've had like four hours to really uh, invest in the character so we we had an opportunity to really dig deeper and uh and people got really attached to certain characters <laughs> yeah. and again those choices are playing on the fifth episode and and there are some some really fun choices you can make to um either make certain characters really happy at the yes, end or, or you betray the team. betray the team <laughs> yeah but but um I think that it, that is what I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping players can can see and, mm-hmm. and experience and, and definitely go back and, and, and just check out the different paths because, uh, again, it's a pretty unique experience depending on, on the choices you make. You know, obviously, you work on a lot of different kinds of games, mm-hmm. different approaches, but, you know, Guardians and sort of that whole approach, it's just it's so narrative-driven and, and character-driven like you're talking about. Is that really kind of cool for you uh, and everyone else to kind of put on that hat because it's it is a different approach to than a lot of video games. It really is. It really is, and that that's actually uh, a reason that I wanted to take on the project. Because uh, before I worked in games, mm-hmm. I, I worked in 
in film mm -hmm. uh, many years ago, and uh, on, on the creative side of things, I loved I loved writing, and I loved um, doing more you know, episodic content right. and, and narrative-driven stuff. So when the project was uh, presented to, to Marvel Games, I'm like, I really want to work on that, because it, it goes back to some of my, my past life and experience, but uh, also just flexing those muscles a little bit and, mm -hmm. and working with the team. I wanted to see how Telltale Games um, approached it and mm -hmm. and they do approach it very much like a yeah. film or a TV series you know they do writers rooms oh, they wow. break it out each each episode is assigned a different writing team mm -hmm. obviously there's a creative director an executive producer that oversees the entire series but it does work very much like a, a Hollywood production mm -hmm. in that sense and and then of course they have uh, the engineering and the development side mm -hmm. that uh, utilizes the Telltale uh, engine and just the merging of the of those two paths of creative was, was very interesting to see. And you're right, it was very unique from you know how we, we worked on the Lego game or how I work on some of the mobile titles. Um, so it's great to see that, that wide spectrum and, and to have them both uh, ship and wrap up within uh, a week or two of each right. other. Right, right. Fun. So now I'm just going on vacation for the rest. <laughs> now, actually, we have another another big uh, game announcement coming next week. So uh, oh. we can fill you yeah, yeah. I'll definitely stay close to at Marvel Games on Twitter as well as sticking to you know Marvel.com. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys, and thanks for all your support throughout uh, the production and and launch of both of those games. No problem. You're giving us plenty to do now as the holidays approach. Lots to play. That was the goal. Like, we all just need to take our vacation days and just <laughs> stick to our you know, Nintendo Switches and everything. But it's work. It's Marvel work. So that's yeah, great. That's research. research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Now we're going to enter the very busy world of TV. Yeah, this is a, a lot going on in the world of Marvel TV just within a few days' time to uh, very cool but very different shows debuting. Yes. I mean, it is fall TV season, yeah. and uh, I just feel like I will not be sleeping trying to catch up on all the TV I need to catch up on. <laughs> yes. I've been, uh, I keep asking Christine if she's caught up on Mr. Robot, which I'm really into, and she hasn't. And I was like, I just need to talk to somebody about it. But <laughs> it's that's the thing. It's like, there's a lot of TV and a lot of good TV. So, you know, you know, you space it out and, you know, you watch when you can. And we've got Thanksgiving break coming up soon, though. So that's yes. going to be a good binging weekend. And we've got a couple good shows to binge right now. Namely? Yeah. Marvel's The Punisher, uh, which is now up on Netflix, all 13 episodes episodes a uh, very long-awaited series about a very popular character <laughs> i think people you know uh love john bernthal's portrayal in uh marvel's daredevil season two and uh yeah i think uh, you'll you'll really dig getting to see him solo and uh kind of continuing on from where we saw him in daredevil uh there's i don't know i just really like how this show sort of digs deep on frank yeah. and who he is and i think yeah john is the perfect frank castle yes he is i'm just like all that rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, he's really good at, um, he's got all that rage, but then it's like he, you know, and he did this on Walking Dead too, uh, where he played a different I rageful hated. character. Right, right. But he still does a good job of, like, showing the humanity below, even when you hate him. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you don't hate Frank, but it's like, obviously, he's a very damaged person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a violent person, uh, but yeah, and you also see like, oh, wow, this guy like hurts, and this guy like yeah. feels, and in a way that really sells. You know, I think some actors might not be able to nail the way he does it. Right, because I, I feel like in the comics, you know, like it really portrays him as like a sociopath. Yeah, but here it's like, you know, here's a person who dealt with a traumatic uh, tragedy, and it's not a conspiracy that he is being hunted. Yeah, yeah. 
definitely like yeah there's something going on he's looking into his past more uh and yeah i think the show really does a good job of sort of delving into what it means for him to be a veteran veteran there's other characters that Mm -hmm. are military veterans and it really gets into that world um I've uh, been trying to convince uh, Christine. Uh, she's already uh, up for it, but she did watch Hannibal, and one of the <laughs> yes. writers from that show, Steve Lightfoot, is the showrunner on Punisher, uh, which is a very different show about looking at uh, very uh, disturbed people. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yes, but, yeah. but I found it was, what was it Hulu who had it, right? Uh, was it was Netflix. Amazon. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yesterday <laughs> we've been trying to get me situated on all my TV watching, but it's hard when it's on such different platforms. Right, right. And I can't watch Mr. Robot until the whole season is on Amazon. <laughs> right. That's the only prime is the only place housing. Yeah, yeah. You gotta work it all out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Punisher fans will be really happy with this series and how it portrays him and uh, you know, Karen Page, how she shows up mm-hmm. in it uh, and sort of continues. I thought I really liked that dynamic in Daredevil, which I did not see coming, you know. Right. Karen and Frank, you know, not necessarily see, which is not really in the comics like a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they have like a, a rapport, but they did it really well. And it was like right. really those two actors together, I think, worked really well. Yeah. And definitely, um, we definitely want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. So uh, no matter if you uh, watched the whole Thing, like was it binge racing? Yeah, binge racing. <laughs> yes. Or if you're like a couple episodes in, uh, definitely uh, hashtag This Week in Marvel because we want to know. Yep, yep. But that's not all. No. Because we have another show yes. <laughs> debuting we on have, Tuesday. Uh, Marvel's Runaways yep. on uh, premiering the first three episodes on Hulu. So um, we definitely want to hear what you guys think. So we've been unveiling a lot of assets leading up to the premiere so uh we had a couple posters yeah yeah there was uh there was actually six character posters for the six main kids the runaways uh that i really liked how they did it because instead of being like the close-up of their faces Mm -hmm. it kind of zeroed in on something about them whether it be a weapon or what their abilities are or what their sort of skill set is yeah um that i think is a it was a great thing for people who don't know the characters to kind of be like oh that's intriguing and people who do will be like oh i totally know that right those are the you know fisticons and you know yeah. or you're like oh what that's like a fancy bracelet then you realize it's a dinosaur tail right right <laughs> uh so there's like some, some cool stuff going on there and then there's uh another poster that is like all six of them sort of united and I think uh, it's a really cool poster because it portrays, you know, the thing about this show is it's very much immersed in Los Angeles. Yes, and it is totally a very L.A. poster. Very L.A. poster, like the way the sun looks on him. Um, I really like the opening credits of this show that mm-hmm. I think evoke what the poster does, which is both like sunny L.A. and and honestly, the opening credits especially, privilege because these kids come from like wealthy families. Right. But there's like a menace behind it all yeah. there's like a darkness you it know? was very much like how the OC had their opening yeah yeah where you know like you know I grew up in Los Angeles but I never really went to Orange County that often mm-hmm. and I was like Oh, I totally get the vibe of Orange County based on the OC opening. <laughs> right, right. Can I, by the way, rant that uh, I tweeted this recently, but I can't find my OC box set, and I know I lent it to someone who I don't think <laughs> maliciously. I think, you know, it happens. Like, you lend it to someone, and you both forget. Right. So someone I know has my has OC all of your OC. <laughs> has all my, and I don't know if you've ever seen that box set, but it's really cool the whole collector yeah i never had that it's uh it's like that long cover that looks like the ocean kind of shimmering and it slides into a clear cover it's really it's like one of the classiest 
looking box sets I've ever seen. Yeah. Even people I know who've never seen the OC were like, that's really cool. Like, yeah. yeah. So whatever if my friend who if someone is sparked by this to say oh i have your oc <laughs> set one day i'll get it back yeah i know i feel like i had the first three or four seasons on right, DVD, right but i didn't get the whole thing and those soundtracks by the way are so good oh yes <laughs> that i have all of yes yeah there's like six volumes i think you know? i remembered when they would release um like following the episode, what songs played yeah. in that? So I really hope they uh, Hulu does that for Runaways. Yeah, me too. Because once again, um, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna massacre her last name, Alexandra Pazovotos, something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like you know, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage have worked with the same sort of music coordinator for mm-hmm. all their shows, and obviously, music is a really great integral part of all their shows and continues to be with Runaways. So, yeah. uh, and also, by the way, uh, like Christine said, the first three go up, and then it'll be weekly after that. But uh, the first three. Are great and the first two are really cool as far as like how they mirror each other yes. and I think people will really you know you'll want to watch those first you know, Ben still makes fun of me for crying during the pilot because <laughs> it was very emotional to see <laughs> the comic come to life on screen no i get it i, I mean i've <laughs> talked on this podcast before but it's like yeah the Run- runaways is like one of my favorite comics mm-hmm. and i remember like really um you know to be honest like at a time where like not a lot of comics were like clicking with me i'd been a lifelong comic reader but yeah. just at that time i was like oh these are good but i'm not like loving it and the runaways came out and i was like oh yeah like, yeah this this one's for me you know <laughs> and i think um and i think for fans who you know like may not be as familiar with the comic yeah um but want to really get into the show we uh, are also releasing interviews with the showrunners and the cast leading up to the premiere. Yep. So, you know, we kick things off with uh, Josh, Stephanie, and Jeff Loeb. Mm-hmm. And then we yesterday we dropped an interview with the what you could meet the Wilders. And now today we're going to do the Minoras. Um, and then we're going to, you know, have a couple more leading into get to know all the whole families. Yeah, yeah, all the families and all their uh, intricate dealings. Yeah, so, so you, there, will, there is no shortage of runaways for you guys. There is not, there is not. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, we, we do not rest here at Marvel because Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is fast approaching. I know, we're almost at December. Yeah, we are, yeah, December 1st. And we come right into December and S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back with a two-hour premiere. Yes. And so we've got a lot of cool new stuff for that. Uh, there's a new clip you can see, which... You know, it's no secret that the new season is set in space. Yes. And you know, they say in space no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> but there might be things you need to run from. <laughs> so I know. I can't wait you get to see what a freaky creature yeah. is, is uh, chasing our agents. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a, just a whole new vibe for the show. Obviously, it's a dramatic new setting for the show. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're dealing with some stuff they haven't had to deal with before. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's cool. It's got like a claustrophobic, you know, alien type vibe. Yeah, uh, and if you guys uh, want to check out the uh, season five poster mm-hmm. we deb- uh, debuted, it looks beautiful it is it's just a really cool poster i have to say like i know we work for the company but <laughs> um no it's it's like a really cool time as far as these three shows premiering because they're all really distinct like exactly. they all have like they completely all, different feels to them but they all like fit into our universe yeah yeah like i really like um because you know the netflix shows have done such a good job of being very immersed in new york 
and like that's like the street level vibe and then runaways is so different Mm -hmm. with you know like we said it's like not not just california but the fact that you know it's like this sort of private school big business vibe but then what's happening underneath it and then shield going to space it's like yeah it's it's a lot of different stuff happening here well it's also like fascinating because you know like when you think of Marvel, you think of New York, yeah. and you know, like when I, I recall just the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the only time you ever see California is, mm-hmm. you know, when Tony Stark lived right. on there, and it was a very different lifestyle than when he moved his uh, home base to New York. Yeah, yeah. That's like when I was a little kid is when West Coast Avengers came out, yep. and I was like, I was an LA kid, I loved it so much, because I, I love Marvel, and I love that it, like, basically for me, New York was like the Marvel Universe version of New York, yeah. but then the fact that West Coast Avengers suddenly was in Los Angeles, <laughs> and I knew some of the cities they were going to, <laughs> and because of West Coast Avengers, Palace Verdes, which is a place I've never, like, stopped and done anything in, mm-hmm. but I've driven by, I'm like, oh, that's where the West Coast Avengers had their headquarters, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like my big, you know, place thing there, so, uh, yeah, that's, I, I was so happy to see, like, LA represented and then maybe that's another reason Runaways connected with me years later. When you guys watch it, just know that is the west side of LA, very different from the rest of LA. Right, right. Um, Um, Yeah, I did, uh, I mean, I am a product of like the LA private school system. But um, I, yeah, it was the valley, uh, so not not the world that these yeah. kids <laughs> lived in. I feel like I'm probably like a between the mix of the valley, but also in Agents of Shield season four when you know you meet Robbie and it's yeah. like the East Side. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've I have more affinity to the East Side. Right, right. <laughs> there was a show. Um, you know, there's so many shows that are in development and don't happen. There was a show a few years ago with John Leguizamo, and it was called like. Kings of Van Nuys or something like that. And it was a remake of a British show, but it didn't happen. I think maybe they made a pilot. Yeah. But I was like, just because again, has like a lifelong Valley resident, and I was like, ooh, it's gonna be set in the Valley. <laughs> didn't get that. So maybe the Runaways can visit the Valley on an episode. <laughs> I know. I Go think, to the eight one eight. I think back to Clueless, where it's like. Uh, everywhere in LA is only 20 minutes from Beverly Hills. <laughs> um, hey, don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, every time I drive by, um, was it Circus Liquor? Yes. I think of uh, Cher Horowitz being uh, stuck there. <laughs> yep, being uh, <laughs> held up at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing Clueless in the theater, and when she's on the phone in front of Circus Liquor, and she's like, and she's like, where are you? And she's looking around, and before she says Sun Valley, someone yells, like, Vineland and Burbank. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in Burbank watching it, not yeah. far from Circus Lager. <laughs> I know. Could have helped I, her. I know. I just, just love LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's about yeah, all we always, We say all, but it's like, it was like another time where we had like a short list, but very busy. I mean, because we got a lot of hours of TV we're giving you guys. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, definitely. Stay in this weekend. Yes. You know, the weather's not that fantastic. Nah. So, you know, you know, watch all of The Punisher and then dive right in to The Runaways. Yep. And then, before you know it, Shield's back. <laughs> That's right. We've got plenty for you. Yes. All right. We're going to head up, throw it back to the East Coast. I think they have a Twim URC for you guys. I believe so. Holiday edition, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. That is the holidays. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Stay tuned for more This Week in Marvel right after this important announcement from our sponsor.
And we're back. All right. So uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, this episode is brought to you by Hasbro. Hasbro. And we're talking about Marvel Legends um, because I love Marvel Legends. Love Marvel Legends. I got a whole shelf of Marvel Legends. So home many of so them. Um, and when I wanted to do Marvel Legends for this episode, we talked with Hasbro. I was like, mm-hmm. can you guys give me some info on what came out this year? And Ryan Ting, our friend at Hasbro, uh, was like, yeah. We got you. We got you covered. We'll do this. Uh, gave us so much stuff. like So much information. Uh, looking at like this abbreviated history of the Legends, mm-hmm. uh, the first mm-hmm. figures were the Spider-Man classics in 2000. Yeah. Um, and those were actually like they were so important because they marked a big change. They were so detailed and articulated. Um, and that led to the birth of the Marvel Legends line in 2002. So like there's actually the Spider-Man classics before, but sort of in the same style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first series was four figures, uh, included Iron Man, Hulk, and Captain America. Um, the the fourth figure in series one was Toad. Yeah. And you remember, it's the like really ugly Toad, ugly right? Toad. He's like, he's got the belly and the yeah. weird face. And I remember hey, that. Hey, you know, he wasn't at his best. Don't kick a guy when he's down. He was going through a rough patch. Very rough. We understand that. Um, and, and I remember Toy Biz, who was doing these, uh, did build, the Build-A-Figure mm-hmm. in 2005 with the Galactus Wave, which I have. You do. I, I have that Galactus. He's part of my Galactus family. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember when we used to have our old office in the old building, yeah. we had this corner office, and outside our office was Jesse Falcon, yes. who kind of helped create Marvel Legends mm-hmm. when he was at Toy Biz and at Marvel. And you know, it was always cool because he had everything. Every every he, toy you can imagine, he had it. All the all the uh, all the legends were outside our office at all times back then, mm-hmm. uh, at least up until the point when we moved in yes. two thousand nine or ten or whenever that was. Did you guys share an office back then? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. there were. All of us share an office. Can you guess how many people we fit into one office, Tucker? Uh, two. Keep no. going. Three. Keep going. Four. Keep going. Five. Keep going. Six. Keep going. Seven. Yes. At one point, we had seven <laughs> individuals in one office. This is a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory bed yeah. of yeah. an office. It was. Uh, some of the times, other build-a-figures over the years include, uh, from Toy Biz include Sentinel, Apocalypse, Onslaught, Mojo. Mojo, we were just I talking about. Always wanted that Mojo. I never yeah, had one. Pretty badass. Uh, and the Modoc, of course, which I do have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our Modoc family. He is. He is. Uh, so Hasbro took over Legends in 2007. Um, so there have been a, a ton of waves, and they did the build of figures and all kinds of stuff. And it's been cool over the last couple of years. They started tying some of those releases to the film. So you get these interesting mixes of classic comic stuff. And film versions. Uh, so there have been some for Winter Soldier, Amazing Spider-Man, movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it, it's just been good. And 2018 and the next, you know, we've got like a Black Panther line coming, which is going to be really good. Uh, but the first Hasbro Build-A-Figure was Annihilus mm. in 2007. These are, I love these facts. Thank you, Ryan, again for these facts. The first Hasbro was Build-A-Figure was Annihilus in 2007. The tallest. Hmm. How do I not have this one? Yeah, this feels like something you should have from 2008. Yeah. It's Fin Fang Foom. Foom. Okay. I either have to go on eBay or find a sugar daddy or a sugar mama, aside from my wife, who can get me this Fin Fang Foom figure. Uh, The shortest is a Rocket Raccoon uh, from 2013 at 2.75 inches. Nice. Uh, The first MCU uh, was Groot in the 2014 Guardians series. Yep. Uh, other MCU Build-A-Figures, you've got Hulkbuster in 2015, 
Ultron Prime in 2015, Giant Man in 2016, Mantis in 2017. The Gladiator Hulk in this year's Ragnarok line is fantastic. Mm. And the Builder figure for uh, the Black Panther line will actually be an Okoye figure, which is going to be awesome because cool. she's badass member of the Dora I like that because usually you think of like these big bruisers as build a figures yeah. but it can be anyone yes and it's like you know you want this figure so get them all yep. <laughs> according to Ryan the grossest is a tie between the blob in mm. 2007 and the brood queen poor blob I know he's just a guy I, there is a blob toy I don't know if it was a legends or before that that came with just a turkey leg turkey leg yep <laughs> and I was I always thought you know what I'm okay with this. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so this year, they they really stepped it up, Hasbro did, and they wanted to get, like, photo real mm-hmm. with them and make them really, really neat. And it's not just with us. It's, you know, Hasbro's been doing this with Disney and with Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and, and Marvel with, you know, the figures that they've been building, this, like, photo real figures uh, for their six-scale series. And Star Wars, they do it with the Black yeah. Series. For us, it's Marvel Legends. Um, so it's a really cool way to take the characters that you know uh, from the films and, and really bring them over into, like, actor likenesses you've got gamora star lord and ego uh the tom holland alt head for spider-man thor loki and hella in the the recent thor wave um there's a no helmet version of thor and a valkyrie there's a target exclusive two-pack um there's this great marvel knights wave Mm. which has daredevil punisher jessica jones and electra and then for the black panther wave the photo reel versions are going to be black panther nakia and okoye which is cool. Very cool. Uh, the most recent line for Legends that came out was uh, for Thor Ragnarok. Seven figures, which, again, I love. You've got three movie, three classic, plus mm-hmm. the Build-A-Figure. So it's kind of perfect for the fan who just knows the movies. Mm-hmm. Kind of perfect for someone who is, like, old-school comics fan. Uh, so, you, you know, you get uh, the, like... What do we get? Aries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get the, an Aries figure, which is so cool. And did you notice? I believe the Aries in uh, what looked like Aries in Thor Ragnarok. I did not notice. When was this? So in the on the the facade <clears throat> of the big building in Sakar, there's mm-hmm. like these heads oh, carved yeah, yeah. into <laughs> the 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 building. One of them is Gladiator Hulk mm-hmm. uh, that they're actually constructing. Uh, one looks yes. like Gatorade Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One looks like Ares because of the helmet. Yep. Uh, mm. One looks like Bybeast. Okay. And there was one I could Of course Bybeast would be in there. Naturally. One of the greatest fighters in all of the universe. Uh, but And I couldn't – I've seen the movie three times and I just couldn't pick it out mm-hmm. who, who the other one was. But it's really cool. Uh, but you also get a uh, like an Odinson – Sort of unworthy Thor version, and, and then Jane you Thor. get the mighty Thor, Jane Foster. Yeah, so yeah. those are awesome. Plus, of course, the movie versions of Hela and Loki, uh, Thor, and the build a figure Hulk. Um, so there, there's tons of those. Yeah, this Marvel Legends wave has friggin' Jessica Jones, Elektra, Punisher, Daredevil. Plus, you've got comic versions of. I need this Blade figure. I love Blade so much, and Bullseye. And then you actually get a Build-A-Figure Man-Thing. Of course. Build-A-Man-Thing. I love that the Man-Thing just, it doesn't, he's not a Marvel Knight. Yeah. But just a cool idea. Yeah. So there's a really interesting little tidbit about the Blade figure, though. It was shown in 2013, but actually mm. never shipped. Oh, wow. Uh, but 
the the team at Hasbro and the team making Marvel Legends just love the character and they they sort of teased fans by putting the blade figures into these amazing dioramas that yep. they build every year at Comic-Con and finally 2017 blade came out with uh, you know the katana the alternate head uh it's it's really really the great. alternate head giving him hair you know as you do as you do um it's it's awesome. I I love it. Love it so much. Now this Ben, did you have you seen these before? I just got to look at when you sent it over. This is so cool. It's going to be a Marvel vintage line. Yep. It is six new figures all with retro packaging. No build a figure because that didn't exist in the 90s. Yep. Uh, the design team basically took inspiration from the groundbreaking Marvel Superheroes 1990 line. They put out series 1 contained eight figures, uh, Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk, Punisher, Silver Surfer, Daredevil, Doctor Doom, and Doctor Octopus. That was the original series back in the 90s. The 2017 Marvel Vintage Wave is going to take total inspiration from that series and release Spider-Man, Cap, Punisher, and Iron Man. Um, And then the 2017 Marvel Vintage Wave also includes classic versions of Black Widow and Wolverine, who were never included in the 90s Marvel superhero Wolverine was in that really amazing Toy Biz uh, X-Men line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that X-Men line? Uh, Of course. uh, Like... Uh, I think Colossus came with like the big weight. Yeah, the big weight. And Archangel could flap his uh, wings. Yeah, Archangel. And I remember uh, the, 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 in the comics, they had the ads for the, yep. the toys all the time. Yep. So good. They're and badass. That, these, this wave, this vintage line from yeah. Hasbro is so good. The whole line, the packaging, the line look, everything, it's an homage to the nostalgia-inspiring design from the 90s with colorful comic art, gray background, and blue header with yellow stars. That's the classic stuff that we remember from when we were kids. Yeah, and Spider-Man comes with pizza, so it's officially the greatest part. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Spider-Man with pizza. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, looking ahead for Legends, you know, there's... I'm sure going to be more, but right now we know that the Black Panther line of Legends is coming out uh, early in the year, and that's going to be you know six figures. You've got three movie, three classic, plus the Build-A-Figure, which is a uh, movie version of Okoye. Uh, so we've got Black Panther, Killmonger, and Nakia. Um, those are just going to be awesome. Then you've got uh, probably the, another one of the greatest figures of all time, Namor. Yeah. We've got, we've got a Namor's shirtless with his little panties, Namor. Uh, Those are small panties. Too. Yeah, they are. Oof. It's delightful. Oof. Sexy, sexy Namor. And yep. you've got a bearded alternate head, Namor. What more could you want? Swoon. Mm. I love it. Uh, you got a Black Bolt. Yummy. And you've got uh, this Iron Man Mark 51. Looks which... like the Marquez armor. Yeah. Take a, I look. Guess that's take a, the... take a close look. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm looking. Take a closer look. All right, there you Ryan's go. face is about an inch from the pain. Oh, yeah. Tucker, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Uh, that one was actually revealed at Hascon, Hasbro's Comic Con, or has convention of their own um, this year, uh, and it's the first non-movie Iron Man figure oh, since wow. the 2014. The group nice. build a figure wave. Wow. Um, yeah. So the Namor is uh, his. He's got his traditional swim trunks, the trident, uh, the bearded head. And it updates a 2016 Walgreen exclusive, Modern Namor. Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I just know this one, and I want it. I need it. I gotta have it. Got to have it. Yeah, I have all the Thor ones upstairs, Mm. and I want to do something with building the the Hulk. I just haven't had time. Yeah, I think we could arrange that. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, very excited. This has been, you know, it's it's really great. There was also the Guardians of the Galaxy um, line this year, the Volume 2 for the movie, Legend series that came out this year, uh, which had 
Star-Lord and Gamora and uh, Yondu, Angela, but had Death's Head 2 right? and Ex-Nilo. Yeah. I don't classic, know why I don't gar- have a Death's Head 2 figure. Classic Guardians of the Galaxy uh, <laughs> characters right there. Death's Head 2 and Ex-Nilo. Come on. Doesn't that make you so happy? I, it makes me happy. I don't care what we have to do to get a Death's Head 2 figure. I'm just glad we have a Death's Head 2 figure. And yes, I second you. I would like that as well. Heck, I'd like an Ex-Nihilo too. Yeah, cool Ex-Nihilo is great. But I remember very specifically going to Gotham Manor, my local comic shop, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and buying the last issue of Death's Head 2 because it had a great cover. Art was beautiful. It was like talking about everybody dying, you had this alternate reality opens up, and you've got like Rhino and and She Hulk uh, in this relationship. You've got uh, Doctor Strange uh, all weirded out. Reed Richards was in a jar, mm. like a really gnarly ultimate alternate universe. And I was like, what is happening? Death Said Two is dope. Yeah, so uh, really great stuff from Hasbro. I'm looking forward to all the stuff that they're doing coming year. Uh, they're with us for the next two Twim URCs that we're doing as well. Yep. Uh, Speaking of Twim URC, let's start it off with a quick chat we had Ooh. with Riley Brown. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. All right, Ben Morse here on This Week in Marvel with the one and only Riley Brown. Riley, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here, Ben. And Riley, we did a very special uh, Twim URC this week, a very special Unlimited Reading Club selection. Uh-huh. Part of it was from the Marvel Holiday Special in 2005. <laughs> now, do you recall that in this Holiday Special, you drew the story of Ultron taking over a Santa Claus robot and trying to destroy the Avengers. Yeah, I that was actually my very first uh, professional no comic kidding. book work. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. How did you how did you end up getting it? Tell us the story. Um I I mean I, I was like right out of college. Mm-hmm. I was going to comic conventions and showing my portfolio around. Um and I was at the Philadelphia Comic Convention and there just weren't many people in line to get portfolio reviews mm-hmm. uh, from the editors and so I was like, well, actually, at first I just walked right past. Like, I was just like, uh, like, you know, you don't get I, me and my friend Chris Chua were walking around the convention uh-huh. and um, he was like, hey, man, there's a uh, yeah, there there's it a, is. There's portfolio reviews at the Marvel thing. And at this point, I'd been to so many comic conventions that mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's not I've never met anybody who's ever gotten a job from a portfolio review right, line. Like, that's right. not how you do it. Right. Uh, you got to you know, schmooze with the editors at the bar later or something <laughs> like that. And um, he's like, yeah, but there's barely anybody in line. You could at least, like, go up and get a business card or something. And nice. I was like, okay, that's a good point. So I go there, and um, I'm, you know, talking to some of the other guys in line. We're showing each other our portfolios. And I was talking to this one guy who was, like, talking about how, you know, how, like, he went to, like, grad school for comics and did this and that and yeah. to all these did all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy – must be like the real deal and I look at his stuff and I was just like oh man it wasn't Not very so impressive so and I was like oh this is like this is me I think I'm like this guy no. I think I've done so great and, no. and I'm just another guy in the portfolio review line and so I get there to the editor uh, and it was uh John Barber oh, wow, yeah. was sitting there. Um, he's not with Marvel anymore. Not with Marvel anymore. He actually just recently at... wrote some stuff for us. Oh, okay. Yeah, he oh, just that's wrote right. some Doctor Strange. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so really he's back guy. with you guys. Really good yeah. Guy, yeah. So anyway, he was sitting there and looked like he'd been doing portfolio reviews <laughs> for about two hours. <laughs> and he and I, I'm like, all right, well, check out my stuff. And 
I'm like, hopefully it's not as bad as I yeah, think it is. Now. You fear it is. Because <laughs> you only see your own mistakes. Of course. And he opens it up, and immediately he kind of like sits up a little straighter. Nice. I was like, okay, that's yeah. good body language All at right. least. And gave me some pointers or whatever. And I was like, okay, that went pretty well. And then the next day, same exact situation. I'm like, okay, it was a different editor. It was yeah. Nick Lowe was oh, sitting yeah. there. And, Don't um, ever happen to him. <laughs> you guys haven't been able to get rid of him. No. We're, uh, we've tried. <laughs> Uh, and same thing, like, you know, he looks at my stuff and sits up a little straighter and yeah. he's like, he's like, oh, cool. You know, gives me a few pointers and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, okay, that went pretty well. Uh, and after the convention, I go to the bar and I see both of them yeah. sitting there talking to each other. I'm like, okay, well, I'd better go do it. say hi. And they're like, oh, Riley, we were just talking about you. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, we don't know what's going on at the moment, but let's keep in touch. I was like, okay, cool. Nice. Uh, and then later on that week, um, uh, I was watch, uh, I was walking the neighbor's dog. So I had a big bag of poop in one hand nice. and a dog leash in the other. Perfect. And the uh, my phone starts ringing, so I'm like, oh great, you know what? Yeah. Am I gonna do here? <laughs> and I answer it, and uh, it's like, uh, hi, Riley. This is John Barber from Marvel. Yeah. I was, you know, wondering if. Uh, we were just wondering if you had any time in your schedule coming up. I'm like, oh my god, you know? I got some. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, man, you gotta play it cool. I yeah. was like, I was like, oh, let me. I gotta look at my schedule. Maybe oh, we'll see if we can yeah. work something in there. Uh, but it uh, worked out pretty well, and you know, they liked my artwork. They liked that nice. um, I was able to blend the cartoony stuff when, like, kind of the lighthearted stuff with the action More and adventure stuff. stuff. Sure. Which is actually something a lot of people don't do. You get very mm. cartoony people, and then you have like the super like scary mm. like hardcore stuff. Right. And for a holiday special, you want someone that kind of has that classic Marvel yeah. feel of lighthearted adventure. And so you know that's how it worked out. And me and Jeff Parker started talking about story ideas, and uh, uh, his idea was for the. Uh, I I I think I was like it should have we should have we have to have like a Christmas party, so then mm-hmm. we have a whole bunch of different characters. Yeah, of course, good call. Um, and he was like, okay, well, what if Ultron crashes the Christmas party? Right. And, you know, so there you go. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, cool. Thanks for telling us the story of uh, how you broke into Marvel with yeah. the uh, Marvel <laughs> Holiday Special 2005. Yeah. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Uh, I'm so bummed I didn't get to actually talk with Riley. But it was cool. Get to, I mean, I found him for you. Yeah, thank you for doing that. We, uh, we, we grabbed him, literally just had a quick conversation about his breaking into comics moment, which coincided with our Twim URC pick this week, which included Marvel Holiday Special 2005, which had three great stories in it. One with The Mole Man, which was illustrated by Roger Langridge. Yeah. That was pretty we cool. We don't get to see that too often. No, we definitely don't get to see that too often. Uh, the middle one, which we talked with Riley about, which was written by Jeff Parker, which is Ultron trying to infiltrate the Avengers Christmas party well, dressed as Santa Claus. That one is, is really interesting because yeah. it's not necess- it's not just Ultron trying to infiltrate because the Ultron reveal happens partway through it. What I thought was cool was it talked about like faith in in what you want to believe, what you are led to believe, what mm. you're you know talking about. There's this girl, she's brilliant, but her she's told that Santa isn't real. It sort mm. of shatters her belief about certain things, and she sort of goes into herself. Yeah, and she creates this Santa to bring joy to people, right. like a robot Santa. 
unfortunately, it's built upon the remains of an Ultron. Ultron. And, of course, the Ultron's like, I'm going to go kill the Avengers. Yeah. That's and what Ultrons do. That's what they do. Uh, it was a really cool story. Jeff Parker wrote it. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really good. And, yeah, it's it's also cool to see... I love stories that very specifically take place at a point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was Definitely New Avengers. New Avengers, Libyan Stark Tower. Before Secret uh, Secret Invasion. Yep. So you've got, you've still got Jessica Drew mm-hmm. uh, before she was revealed as a Skrull. Yeah, the Jessica Drew missile, mistletoe gag was kind of gross. Awful. It was kind of gross. Yeah, uh, the really. dudes were terrible. Yeah, they were bad. And Cap participated in that. Captain America. He's like, oh, the Sentinel of Liberty. He calls her ma'am and miss. Doesn't make it any better, Cap, you scumbag. Yeah, I I wrote on my notes, sleazy Iron Man mistletoe, comma, also Cap, uh, mistletoe with Spider-Woman, and then the next line is, all the dudes are sleazy. All the dudes are sleazy. (sighs) But we we get a Santron. Yes. Like, Santa Ultron is great. It just makes me happy. Um, Then the final story in that book is this crazy... Mike Carey, Mike Perkins joint, which is like a classically narrated story of just bizarreness. It's a poem, yeah, and a it's poem. got Hurricane. Mm. Who is Hurricane? Is that a character you're familiar with? I was not totally familiar with Yeah, Hurricane. so it's this like reformed villain, and he said his name is Hurricane, he has an interesting costume, mm-hmm. but he has to go out and get, you know, presents for his kids. They don't have the money, They don't, and he like resorts back to villainy he breaks into a toy store like, to get the presents and the Fantastic Four stop him but mm-hmm. it's a sad sweet little story for sure um, also more Namor came in in this because oh. you have Santa <laughs> Namor in the that first great. story great Santa Namor yeah the first story which we didn't really touch on completely is uh, a mole man Christmas where basically the moloids discover that Santa means something deep to the mole man so they go out and kidnap all these mall Santas and then the thing does a little investigating, meets Mole Man's grandma. Yep. And then uh, sees that there's this picture of his grandpa who used to dress as Santa Claus. And his grandpa looks like Namor for some reason. Also, to me, I thought he looked like Puppet Master. A little bit. A little bit. It's those eyebrows. Those eyebrows. Those arched eyebrows. But anyways, uh, Thing gets Namor to come dress up as Santa Claus. And uh, well, the ending is not what you might have expected. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. Yeah, it was it was fun. Also, the the story with the Santron has mm. gravity. Oh yeah, and you feel so bad for gravity. So bad for gravity. When I uh, was talking with Riley before you guys recorded, I was like, "Yeah, I was, you were, we're reading the story for the for the reading club." And uh, man, what about gravity? He had mm. a tough bit of luck. And Riley was like, "Oh, I forgot about him. What whatever happened to him?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure he's dead." He's not dead. He's not dead. No, he's fine. Gravity's alive. Yeah, he's doing great. Congratulations, Tucker. Gravity's alive. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's terrific. You, um, you have loaded up the 2004 holiday special. I'm trying, but... I know, but why are you reading the 2004 one? You read the 2005. <sighs> no, my thing, my library is being wonkadoo that's why there that's what you want yes okay there we go um yeah i wanted to make sure we credited the writer of the the first story is uh shane and garrity um the we said jeff parker and riley brown on the uh santron story and mike carry and mike perkins on the uh the mics the mics story yeah Yeah, it was cool it was just it was a neat little story there's bits of various holidays in there It, it was cool then, of course, we also read Uncanny X-Men number 143, a true classic. Yes. It's uh, Kitty Pride. Basically, this is Kitty right after she joined the team. 
basically what happened to Kitty after she joined the team is like her first issue was Days of Future Past. So so that was pretty intense. And was have, it really? Yeah, it was. Literally, uh, Jean Grey dies. All this stuff happened. The Dark Phoenix saga led right into Days of Future Past, which led right into this issue, which was Kitty Pride fighting a demon in the X-Mansion with everyone else gone and uh, everyone else is off doing holiday stuff. Kitty has to fight a demon. She uses the danger room. She uses her powers. It's the quintessential, this is why Kitty Pride is such a great character story. Um, why she's kind of the point of view character, the entryway character for so many people. Why she was so relatable. This was really her shining for the very first time. She'd made a few appearances at this point, but this is really the first time we get to see her in full on action and starring in an issue. And she's great. Yeah. Um, the art by John Byrne is just amazing. Terry Austin, so, I believe on inks. Uh, yeah. Let's see if we can find a credits page in here. I think it was the first one. I don't know. My iPad's not being... Fair enough. I'm pretty sure it was Terry Austin on Inks. Um, that was usually the team. But, yeah, just a great classic X-Men story. Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned she's fighting a demon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Nagarai. Nagarai. And that is, they're like demons created by Chthon, mm-hmm. our boy. Our boy Chthon. Our friend. Chthon. Chthon. Uh, they first appeared in, like, early yeah. Uncanny X-Men. It was like one, of the very, yeah, one of the very first Uncanny X-Men issues that Claremont wrote. Uh, they fought these demons, and that's actually referenced here. Yeah. And actually, oh, I got so bummed out when the demon killed those that couple looking for a Christmas tree. They're looking for a Christmas he's so tree. so sad. And, then, and he's like, I'm feeling a little naughty. And she's yeah. like, oh, yeah. They're yeah. about to get down. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go to the bone zone. Oh, no, Nagari demon. Yeah, and he's brutal. The design's Horrible. cool. This is, what, like 1981? Something like that. So a couple years after Alien, you mm-hmm. definitely feel that like alien-y vibe. Yeah, to the character, to sure. the design for the Nagari, and it works. It's, yeah. it's really, really great. Um, but this was also the last Claremont Burn story. Yeah, it was. Which is incredible. Mm-hmm. This is one off. This is what they went off. This on. was one of my first X Men stories. Yeah, I remember getting this issue when I was a kid. We go to the laundromat and the next door was a used bookstore mm. and they would sometimes have comics and I remember buying a bunch of Claremont Byrne X-Men nice. for like a quarter or whatever beating up old copies and this was one of them I still have my copy of this cool. I think and I just remember this is like the coolest one-off story it's mm. one of my all-time favorite X-Men stories period holiday or anything else but like you said it really t- shows you how amazing Kitty is yeah like resourceful, smart, inventive, terrified, mm-hmm. rightfully so, right. but still able to to hold her own. Yeah, um, absolutely, it's really good. I love that. At this point, Angel Warren Worthington was dating Candy Southern. Candy Southern, his lady. Candy Southern, what a, That's name. a name! Gotta love the bit too, where uh, Nightcrawler teleports in and kisses Mariko on the cheek with the mistletoe, and Wolverine full on tries to kill him. Yeah, he goes into <laughs> immediate berserker rage. It's like, Mariko is my lady! And yeah. just goes after her. And then, like, yeah. Xavier has to be like, chill out! There should, have, there should have been a what-if issue. What if Wolverine killed Nightcrawler just for that. kissing his lady? Yeah. I, I love that. Cool. Uh, it's you got the the Kitty Pride and uh, Colossus stuff starting like really yeah. actually coming together here. It, it was kind of weirded me out there because I, she's thirteen. Yeah, she's thirteen. We don't know how old he is really. Let's say he, he's fifteen. He looks a lot older than he probably is. Yeah, he's, he's a big drawn, strapping Russian. Yeah, he's drawn lad. a lot older than he was, but whatever. History has proved them right. They're 
one of Cute Marvel's together. greatest couples. Yeah, let's say they were et cetera, 13 et cetera. and 15 and leave it at it that. It was okay. That's what I'm comfortable with. Hey, let's hear what uh, let's hear what other people had to say, unless you have some more notes. Uh, no, I just wrote, this is my, like, my favorite holiday oh. horror story. Good, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we read it. DJ Fanko says, every time I read Uncanny X-Men number 143, I'm reminded of the movie Alien. The inspiration is real. You mentioned that earlier. Kitty alone in the mansion against Nagari is what makes this story work, especially given her technological aptitude. Yeah. I feel for the couple that became a holiday feast, but Claremont and Byrne let you know this won't be a holly jolly story. No. Despite the dark tenor of the story, the Kitty Peter bit is great. This is, if I recall, also the first Lee Forrester sighting. This is the first appearance of Alates Forrester. I don't the, remember her. She she's just a ship captain up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, who Cyclops meets up with after he's mourning the loss of Jean Grey. And they just uh, get, do they hit it off. They for get a along. While? They do. She also hits it off with Magneto. Uh, well, come on. If Ooh. I have the choice, Magneto or, or Cyclops. Cyclops. Digger Mags, absolutely. Magneto, the Silver Fox. Uh, further, this issue shows a lot of character diversity of the holidays. You have the newlyweds, the lonely Scott, Wolverine's first holiday with Mariko, and Kitty away from home for the holidays for the first time. I'm glad Kitty survived, but I can't help wondering how long it took her to put the subcomplex back together. I imagine it'd be onerous, good word, considering this was the pre Shi'ar tech danger room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been. Uh... This, um, may, this may have been the impetus to build in the Shi'ar tech, actually. Mm. We'd have to read a couple issues later, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Cat says, I missed the last Twim URC discussion because I was sick. Hoping to do better this time if I'm not too late. Uh, more importantly, hoping you feel better, Penelope Cat. Yes, Kat. absolutely. Uh, the... Oh. He's yep. jumping in on, you know what, we'll talk a little bit really quick about the last ones. Uh, he loved all these stories, the Christmas comics and these. Uh, rest in peace to Darwin Cook. Uh, sticks out uh, in his mind as an advocate for all ages comics. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, he says, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun, the issue of Spider-Man's Tangled Web. Got a very Christmas feel without it being overly about Christmas, kind of the way Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Gremlin, here's the thing. I love holiday horror, and uh -huh. I think it all goes back to this issue. Huh. It makes sense. The like my last Christmas story being mm -hmm. that like weird, oh yeah, you know, scro scroll yeah, yeah. thing. We're getting there. It's probably all because of this issue. That makes sense. Uh, I just like it a little dark. Also, I don't like Christmas that much. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we see the trappings of the holiday and people doing holiday stuff. But that's incidental to the fighting and action. Uh, <laughs> Penelope Cat says, I guess Die Hard is a similar Christmas movie that isn't really a Christmas movie. <laughs> Die Hard's a classic Christmas movie. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, lots of love for Darwin Cook and, and very Kirby-inspired for these. Um, yeah. Good stuff. We'll uh, kind of skip over those because these were last time. Uh, did also, he Penelope Cat mirrors uh, our thoughts about the Fantastic Four story, talking about the issues of religion and, and those things that, um, you know, we, lo we liked seeing in mm -hmm. that, their, their approach to faith and finding the various ways to, to think about it. Uh, and then finally, on to this week's Twim URC. Um, the holiday special opens with a Fantastic Four story by Shannon Garrity and Roger Langridge. I'm not familiar with Garrity, but I love Langridge. All, we all do. We all yeah, should. love language. Whether he's drawing Marvel characters, the Muppets, or his own creations, his art is always very unique and totally his. Here, his art really sets the tone for the story, which is a nice holiday parody of Citizen Kane starring the Mole Man. 
Kudos for not taking a movie really known as a holiday film as their basis. Kane isn't the obvious choice for a holiday tale. No. Real talk? I've never watched Citizen Kane. I watched it in an intro to film class. In wow. College. So there you go. The, the tables have turned. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> tables are right where they were. I'm just <laughs> noting that I've seen Citizen Kane. Yep. It's uh, pretty good. That's <laughs> It's okay. Ben's yeah. review. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. It's uh, no Daredevil. Probably gets continued. And most importantly, for a humor story, the punchline made me laugh. Yeah, it was the, the last page is really fun. The adventure story is a lot of fun. I think it does a good job mixing the surface trappings of the holiday with the spirit. It's about Santron and fight scenes, but it's also about bringing people together and being kind to one another. Like being kind to gravity, mm-hmm. eventually. eventually. I got so bummed for I like that Luke Cage was the one who let him in. He's yeah, like, like, Gravity, my man. Yeah, everybody put on your mask. This guy's yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. Uh, the final story by Team Supreme, Mike Carey and Mike Perkins is just beautiful. It's always kind of nice to see a story showing the human side of the supervillains, even if they are still doing bad things. The real standout here is the art, though. I think Perkins is a great artist, but here he really shines. It's a very different style for Mike, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, Perkins' work here evokes both Bernie Wrightson and the classic 19th century illustration illustrators. It's gorgeous. One hundred. That is spot on. Yep. It was in my head. I was trying to pinpoint exactly what it was, but it's the Bernie Wrightson and the, the illustrator, the 19th century stuff, definitely. But the Bernie Wrightson thing was spot like on. tickling my brain. Yep. Got it. Uh, Penelope Cat. Uh, X-Men 143 features a couple favorite creators focusing on a favorite character. It can't be objective. <laughs> I don't know if it feels like a holiday tale so much as a holiday is the excuse to get everyone out of the mansion. Mm. I literally don't care, Penelope Cat says. The art is beautiful and the showcase on Kitty Pride is so much fun. And the reason for everyone else leaving is so that they can bring Kitty's family to her for the holidays. So there's that. Uh, these picks are really getting me in the holiday spirit. Can't wait to see what's next. Penelope Cat, thank you because that is what I was That's hoping what for. That's what we're going for, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I but change it up, mix it up. We've got all this stuff. There's our, our big holiday section on the website's coming mm-hmm. soon. Um, that these podcasts are going to be a part of that. We've got some other stuff going on. Hasbro's on board. I just felt like it was all a big thing. I agree. Yeah, that's all I got. Great. I just, I just agree with you. I agree. This has been a lot of fun doing these holiday issues, and we will do more in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. We got more, man. We got yeah, two more of these. Two more of these go. to go. How you feeling, Ron Tucker? Feel great. So that 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 issue was you were saying Christmas, eighty one. Is it was that when that? Yeah, one this was? was this came out in nineteen eighty one. Right, right. Wow. I, I'm I'm just trying to put that in the context of, of you know, you being four of years the old. world. Yeah, me being four years old. I was born in seventy eight. No, I meant now. You're like four <laughs> years old. You're, you're, you're a young babe. That's oh right. boy. All right. Thank you guys for listening, as always, to This Week in Marvel. We'll be back next week in some form or fashion uh, with the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll figure so, it out. We'll definitely – we have never yeah. we ain't missing for a stinking Thanksgiving. Yeah, if no, I have to definitely. record on Thursday at my mom's house, <laughs> dang it, I'm doing it. Okay. By myself if I have to. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be right there with you, man. That's right. We, we go down together. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. This is Marvel. Your universe.